Greetings, everybody. This is Michael Rosso, Film Photography Podcast, the internet radio show for people who love film. Welcome to episode number... 7,000. Welcome to episode number 64. Uh Oh, I was close. You were very close, John. Uh, July 15th, 2012, and this is our summer show. Yeah, hmm. uh, I'm in the studio today with John Fideli, and we have a very special show today. What show? We are going to be going to Photostock 2012. Oh, interesting. Matt Mirage, he was there. You don't have your computer. I don't. I don't. have my phone. Matt Mirage, uh, he's going to be talking to, of course, Bill Schwab, who runs Photostock. Bill is an American photographer known for his emotionally charged yet peaceful urban and natural landscapes. Andrew L. Moore, he's an internationally recognized fine artist working in large format color photography. Suzanne Ravy, she's a black and white fine art photographer making traditional wet prints in the darkroom. And a FPP listener, Stuart Batchelor from the UK. He is a black and white photographer specializing in long exposure technique called painting with time. Really? Interesting. Yep, that's Matt at Photostock 2012. We're also going to be hearing from Hunter White. Our man Hunter. Our man on the street, Hunter White, went down to K, K-E-H. Mm-hmm. K is a large photo. Resell? Or yes. Resell. Yes, you could sell them your film camera and you could buy it back. Yeah. K-E-H, yes, you could buy stuff. Do they sell Leicas? I have no idea. But I saw in the pictures that uh, uh, Hunter sent that he took on the spot, there was like a bunch of... Mamiya, medium format cameras. Uh, so we're looking forward to hearing that. And then we're going to be talking. We're going to be hanging out in the studio. We're going to be talking about John's gas gear yeah. acquisition syndrome. Uh, John purchased a uh, bunch of cameras. A bunch of cameras. A bunch uh, of bums. Yeah, seems like he had, may have a bunch of bums. We have them here right on the table in the studio. We're going to be reading many listener letters who have lots of questions and comments. Hmm. And then we're going to be giving away a beautiful. Look at this thing. There it is. It's like a piece of art. Leslie from Imagine That donated. Did she make this? Did she custom make this? Leslie reskinned re- I mean, re-skinned re-skinned it. Reskinned it. It's a lovely job. Lovely. It's a Polaroid one-step. It's like one step. It's a po- Yes. It's a Polaroid SX70 sonar one-step. Mm. And it's reskinned in a beautiful... Red alligator red, skin. Red alligator skin. It's gorgeous. A deep red. Deep red, blood red. It is going to be. It is a coveted camera. It's very cool. And we're giving it away later. Let's take a break, and then when we come back, we're going to be. Uh, we're going to roll right into Matt Mirage at Photostock 2012. Yay! beyond compare, that first look at the big city, and because these young men have a brownie star camera, they'll see more, learn more, have more to remember. East side, west side, all around the town, they're getting the fun on film. 
Wait till the gang back home sees this one. Indoors too, as in the Museum of Natural History, there's lots to see, lots to remember. And their brownie star camera saves it all. Now the big stem, as the boys get their first fling on Broadway. Home again, they're the envy of every kid on the block, thanks to a camera that costs less than $10. Right now, some boy or girl you know would give the world for a brownie star camera. There are three models to choose from, and you couldn't find a better gift. Hey, we're back. John, where is Photostock? It's in Harbor Springs, Michigan. Okay. It's an annual event. Yes. Where photographers gather to... Geek out. Yeah, to shoot. To shoot, to enjoy nature, to um, have workshops. I was going to say, is Matt going to be hosting workshops or going to Uh, workshops? No, uh, Bill Schwab is the host, and he invites invites guests. People just sign up and go. Looks very intensive. Yes. It's very hands-on. Very hands-on. A lot of fun and recommended. Hey folks, Matt Mirage here. I'm at Photostock 2012, and I'm sitting down with the talented Suzanne Ravy. How are you today, Suzanne? Just fine, thank you. So uh, what, what brings you to Photostock this year? I had been seeing Bill organize this for the past, I don't know, six or so About years. six years, yeah. yeah and then I um, I'd always wanted to come. And then finally this year I thought, okay, this is the year I'm going to do it. The reason I hadn't come before was it's it's the end of the school year, and I'm always a little bit busy in June with the end of the school. But this year uh, we had fewer snow days. Kids got out a little earlier. So I got lucky for the timing. Uh, I shoot a lot in the summer, and it's sort of nice to meet with people and just get energized creatively around other photographers and did you do you see a lot of uh, well, since you do portraiture it's uh, very cool to see other people's uh, styles and what what they prefer to shoot right well yeah you know i'm not a landscape shooter and there are a lot of landscape people here and i'm sort of in awe of their ability to do that because it's not it's not really um my thing at all but i really love looking at what people are doing um, I like a lot of different kinds of photography. What I always find really uh, interesting about Photostock is e- even though the, the posting for it is on APUG and you know uh, a lot of these guys are all film shooters, it's not a film-only o- kind of uh, place. It's just general photography, people that enjoy shooting, and it just so happens that the people that are very... Um, let's say, artistically inclined with it or really make something you know, meaningful with it. There are a lot of film shooters. And, and you yourself, everything is uh, done on film, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm all film. Uh, other than a little point and shoot for snapshots, I'm... Um, yeah, that's okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm all film. I shoot with a couple of medium format cameras. Uh, lately, I've been shooting with a Holga as well. Oh, that's a little change of pace. Yes, yes, it is. So, And I like my Tri-X. And I like printing in the darkroom, all analog, you know, from start to finish. Wow. Okay. We have a lot of uh, listeners that are, you know, the hybrid workflow, mm-hmm. or they, they kind of farm it off to the lab. But just the as far as shooting and, and 
producing work it's just all film and it's just the, the way to go I guess I don't know <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's more hands-on you know although I farm out I, I've been doing some color work and I have had help with that. oh that's, that's that's okay to farm out you know, <laughs> that's the, that's a little more of a hybrid workflow for me too but um that's new for me. I, I only did that in this past year, shooting color. So you uh, kind of gave us a, a brief description of what you don't do as far as landscapes. Uh, so uh, what's uh, what's your work like? Uh, what do you like to shoot? I've been doing a long-term project photographing my kids, watching them play. When kids play between the ages of about 6 and 11 or 12, there's just a really interesting way that they play, the way they immerse themselves in what they're doing and how they explore their world. And um, I just found myself watching that very carefully and photographing it whenever I could you know when at moments of like free play not organized what whatever they're doing um if the light's good I'm photographing it you know whenever I can so you do uh you know you're shooting film and it's medium format so that can get kind of obtrusive but big and clunky sometimes um is this more a is it posed is it photojournalistic what uh it's a little more, I, I would say my approach is a little more documentary. Okay. More, um, it's, it, it is, I, it can be kind of clunky. Um, my kids are a little bit used to it at this point, and they don't generally change what they're doing. Even if well, I, that's good. So they're, they're not like hamming it up or anything. Yeah, no, no. Um, sometimes when they have friends over, though, the friends will ham it up. You know, they see my camera and they start giving... I was hamming it up for you. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, uh, Suzanne actually took two rolls worth of of portraits of me yesterday. I don't know where they're going to end up. I I hope not too many many postings online or anything, but uh, it was uh, flattering. She's uh, fantastic. Uh, The way she, she works, it's very... Very quick to it too. I couldn't believe you'd gone through two rolls of film. So I can say firsthand, she uh, she's very gentle on her subjects. <laughs> well, that's that's good to know. I've actually been interested I've, because I've been photographing the kids for so long, and I'm I've been um, feeling in the last couple of years or year and a half that I'd like to shoot a little bit differently and shoot more adults. And so um, I've been kind of starting with this just tight portraits um, of. Of grown-ups, basically. Oh, okay. And um, you consider me a grown-up. I am. Fr- I am honored. <laughs> Thank you. No. Oh, <laughs> oh. Than me, I think. <laughs> you know. But um. So it was sort of nice to have the opportunity. And my goal, actually, coming here was to try and, uh, you know, just corral a few people into making making some portraits like that. Um, it's. I I do find it a little difficult to just ask people I don't really know to sit for me. And um, so the kids really help out with that. Yeah. You know, yeah, a little bit. Well, kids, it's a little easier to ask, and um, um, you know, so it's it's. I felt like this was going to be a good exercise for me, just to you know, kind of break through some of my own fears about just asking people. Also, oh, fo- so photo stock in general, coming and just mingling with uh, yeah. other folks is a is a big help too. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Okay. You know, and so because I'm trying to change things up, and I'm I'm trying to. Um, start making some bodies of work that are a little bit different than the other ones. I think it's good to have. Um, I was very, very focused on the kids playing work for a long time, and now I'm beginning to feel like I'd like to have a few other projects going, a few other themes mm-hmm. um, running through my work that if I'm getting a little creatively bogged down with one, I can maybe pick up on another. You and know? get a fresh and change just, of, yeah, yeah. yeah take a breath and up. work on yeah, something else. Yeah. Um, these kind of portraits are, are um, a pretty nice way to do that. Um, you know, and I'm interested in faces, so uh, I don't know what, where the work will go or what I'm going to do with it. You heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> 
So if I like it, but I'll send you a print. I'll ask you before I post it online. I'm not. Gonna oh no, it's okay. Go anyway, crazy I with it. Have anybody sign a model release? I'm not. You know. <gasps> oh, that's a no-no. <laughs> Everybody, you need you need releases whenever you are in somebody's uh, own space or you know public space is good. But this was kind yeah. of a private gathering, so maybe yeah. you should. I'm not gonna. So. I'm not gonna fault you. Don't worry. <laughs> no, but usually what I'll do if I have photographed somebody and you know if I have friends over whose kids over playing with my kids if I would like to use one of their pictures in the um, portfolio what I'll end up doing is making a print for them and trying to print a for a release yeah basically that's you what know, I do with my and if they say no it's it's really fine I'm not I don't want to piss anybody off about that I think people sometimes want to be careful about their kids pictures online I never really identify mm-hmm. anybody in the pictures so I don't want you know that to come back yeah and I mean I have kids on my website I need to be careful about my own kids um, privacy as well so you know I'm mindful of that and uh, try to be respectful of that so I think you do a great job it um (laughs) you you know you titled it play and it feels very much like that it's 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 very lighthearted. yeah it's time let me play I'm sorry it was (laughs) pinched from a, a Dylan Thomas wrote a lovely poem called Fern Hill it's kind of a long poem but that's a line in there and it's a little bit of a uh uh like a pen to um, sort of lost time in your life and, and thinking about your childhood and how things were. And, and, and I sort of feel like when I photograph the kids, I'm doing that a little bit. You know, it's mm-hmm. like I sort of remember being able to, to immerse myself the way the kids do. And, and I feel like when I'm making pictures, I'm doing that again a little bit. Um, I kind of like the, the imagery that you showed. And I would say about half the images in the series, and you, you correct me if I'm wrong, but they have the... the they're, you're facing their backs, mm-hmm. and it kind of um, doesn't abstract it, but it, it feels like you can put yourself in the in the child's uh, position when they're when they're playing, and it kind of evokes a little more a little more memory. It has a different feel from when uh, they're facing the camera, and you can see their faces. Mm-hmm. Well, I think I was trying to make early on. I was trying to make pictures that felt a little more universal, and were mm-hmm. not just about me and my kids but something a little broader and and sort of using their hands and feet and the backs can can get at that although at the same time I feel like there are faces in there I mean I have one where his eyes are closed and I, I when I shot it I thought oh this will never work but you know oh, it looks amazing yeah and then when I printed I thought oh this works and partly I think because his eyes are closed and you can kind of put yourself in that project face. yourself yeah yeah, yeah. I and, think with uh, anything childhood memory there's um there's something really Everybody has a, a set of common kind of childhood memories that they can re- they can relate to, and then there's the very intimate ones, and they project when they, it's the face in the back or the there's no identity behind it. They can put themselves there. Yeah, yeah, and that's kind of what I I want to do with the work. Just like uh, give it a little more, just make it just broader. Not just me. It's not mm-hmm. just about me and my kids. And I have plenty of those kind of pictures. Mm-hmm. There's but but for that portfolio of pictures, it's it's really I think I think there's a way kids are that's fairly universal and and I think if I were to photograph kids playing in different parts of the world, I might come up with some similar gestures, you know, and similar expressions because I do think there's a universality about um, um, about the way they play, I, I think that's that's something. It's kind of uh, that's how we connect with each other, you know. Mm-hmm. This well, yeah, we're we're up here playing with all this gear in large format and wet yeah. play. It, it's you can't you can't not call this play. <laughs> exactly, exactly. You know, <laughs> that's true. Well, wow, we we got pretty deep there for a second. Oh, geez, let's okay, let's let's back up a little bit because you know I, I know it's got to be 
uh, nerve wracking coming in and seeing all these guys with all these different alternative processes coming in and uh, really, really big name photographers and, you know, Bill and his buddies, they're super talented. So uh, I heard you, you said something maybe about an 8x10 coming into the works (laughs) i did i bought an 8x10 recently nice and um i don't know i've i have learned how to do large format i've done large format it's just been a long time so i'm a little out of practice and um but i you know i don't know what possessed me to to jump into 8x10 i have a little (laughs) 4x5 i haven't really used all that much i'm just it's again comes back to wanting to maybe focus on something a little different something a little new mm-hmm. i don't know what i want to photograph with it yet i'm i my my plan for this summer is just to take it out a couple times a week in the morning um and and expose a few sheets of film and just see what i get it's it's a really good um way to to get to know the camera mm-hmm. is to just force yourself to be out there and either looking for pictures or make yourself take you know one or two images to kind of get your yeah. get your creative juices flowing what have you and yeah. Yeah, that, that's that's the best way to go with it. Get those uh, get those not meaningless images, but the images just get a couple out of your system and then really focus in. Yeah, yeah, and that's sort of my hope. So hopefully, you know, as I work with it, and I'm a very intuitive shooter. I never know what I'm doing at the start of something like the play work. I, you know, I really didn't intend it to be this kind of um, project the way it turned into when I started. When it became more, I became much more. I took it much more seriously as I made more work. Hopefully the 8x10 will will kind of happen the same way, you know, Mm -hmm. where I just shoot. And I might then build on some ideas or maybe think about pictures, you know, um, what I want to make with it. And um, and I think it's going to be a very, very different way. I'm not one to use tripods. You know, I'm not one to bring people to me. You can't exactly handhold the deer door. No, no, no. (laughs) So this is going to be a very different way for me to work. And it's, I'm, I'm a little nervous because I'm not sure I'm going to be able to pull it off. Well, I for one am excited. I probably shouldn't even talk about it because if I fail miserably, then. No, no, I for one am excited. You know, I'm sure there's a lot of folks um, that listen to the podcast that they're kind of getting the large format bug and they just Mm want to kind of try it out. And I always encourage people to at least give something like four or five a try because it's a different beast, you know, whether it be, you know, building a pin whole lot of of legos Mm -hmm. and making it work just to get a feel for the the process because you don't know what you like until you try a bunch of things and and from there you can really focus in and really kind of hone you know your craft and what makes uh, images that that are you also just build your vision with with it you know and i realized i was looking through some old college work recently and i i discovered several four by five portraits that i had done of some friends and I, I thought, God, I wish I had done more of those when I was in college, you know. So mm-hmm. I'm kind of thinking, again, it'll probably be portraits. I am interested in people. It's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, very good. Thank you so much for sitting down and, and talking with me, Suzanne. Uh, where can more people go to find your work? Um, I'm my website, SuzanneReVy.com, uh, S-U-Z-A-N-N-E-R-E-V-Y.com. Uh, I'm represented by a gallery in Boston, Panopticon Gallery. If- Panopticon, Wow. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. So they they represent my work, and um, and in fact, I, the color Holga work that I have, they're gonna I'll have three pictures in a show opening in July. I think July twelfth or something. So I've got some work that'll be shown this summer, um, which is always good to kind of get your work out there a little bit. We've been hammering on that the past couple of podcasts. Mm-hmm. This is good, full circle. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, you know, and it's sort of in a way it completes the the work to have people see it. You know, it can be a little nerve-wracking to put yourself out there and show it, but um, it does sort of make it complete.
See, you didn't just hear it from me, folks. you got to get out there, get it printed. Even if you're giving out prints, just to have it in other people's hands, have as many eyes see it as as possible. You know, it doesn't need to be a million eyes. I mean, I'm happy with, (laughs) you know, film people or or just people interested in in photography. But um, it does sort of feel like, you know, you've made all this effort, and it can be very satisfying to, you know, feel like the work is really, truly complete because it's been seen a little bit. Well, thanks a lot for sitting down with me, Suzanne, and uh, hope to see you at Photostock next year. Hey everyone, uh, Matt Mirage here, Photostock 2012, and I'm here with uh, with an FPP listener who's come all the way from the UK, uh, Stu Bachelor. Stu, how are you doing today? Yeah, I'm fine, thanks. Yeah, Matt. Yep, fine. Wow, so um, what made you come out from the, the UK for Photostock? How did you hear about us? I've heard about Photostock. Uh, I've known about it for many years since day one because uh, I belong to uh, the online forum APUG and uh, I've kept in touch with those guys over the years, you know, Daniel Lynn, Andrew Moxham, you know, I've always been a great admirer of uh, Bill Schwab's work so um, yes I've known about um, photo stock sort of since day one really from the early days and been very jealous there's nothing like it in the UK really nothing at all like it now not as big I mean we have gatherings in the UK but uh, this is like them gatherings on acid you know really (laughs) really really huge and uh, yeah so uh, and then uh, on one of um, FPP's um, Shows. Uh, I heard your interviews from last year. Oh yeah, yeah. And I heard you talking about it and interviewing Andrew and interviewing a quick interview with Bill. And I thought I'm doing it this year. I'm going out there. I'm, well, I'm, I'm glad it had some impact. It definitely did. Yeah. And of course, yeah. So I mean, this is my first visit to the United States. I've always wanted to come in. You grow up, you know, and your picture in your mind is is New York City. You know, you know. You see, you grow up with New York and uh, and the films and the streets, and you think that is America. Mm-hmm. It's kind of surprising when you just get out there a little further from the city. Oh uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, very beautiful, very beautiful city. You know, totally in contrast to you know the buildings next to to London. Mm-hmm. And uh, yes, yeah, so I thought I'm going to do it this year. I'm going to go out and I'm going to do New York and I'm going to walk up and down and enjoy it. And then I'm going to head over to Photo Stock and meet up with the guys. And uh, I was a little bit nervous at first, you know, because oh, why is that? Well, you know, you know, new country, miles and miles away from home. Oh. You know, so meeting new faces you know are they going to like me you know, my English accent you know and uh, my interpretation of things compared to the American way I think you were instantly loved oh that's a nice, <laughs> nice, nice, nice of you to say Matt really is and uh, yeah so and you can believe it I mean I, I landed on Wednesday night and Bill Schwab picked me up from the airport you know this little you know you know I mean uh, the baggage area has a, yeah. a little stuffed lynx sitting in the middle of it like staring at you quite quite funny and yeah it made me quite welcome and brought me out here to uh, the Birchwood Inn and uh, made me comfortable and we had a beer with me and made sure I met up with Andrew Moxon before he left and uh, yeah so I've been made so welcome by everybody here you know I made really? some good friends and uh, yeah this is a fantastic place so uh, you know, get on that plane and get over here, you guys from the UK, you know, so, yeah. <laughs> well, i got to get over and visit you guys, too. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, it's you've been threatening it. I mean, the guys over here have been threatening it, threatening it for a long while yeah. now, and it's not quite happened yet, you know. So mm-hmm. I mean, it's going to, it's going to. But you, 
you know, you should be getting over to London. Uh, that's what I mean. I got to get over yeah, to London because yeah, yeah, yeah. you said you you know some of the film wasters guys, I'm right? Film wasters, yeah. I'm good friends with uh, Leon Taylor. Hello, Leon, if you're listening. And uh-huh. uh, I met Ed Wen and the rest of the guys. And yeah, I got uh, I got to get over and meet those guys too. Meet them. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like I'm sure they'd like to meet you too. And uh, you know, yeah, definitely. So they're, they're listeners of you. So yeah. Yeah, they it, it, the the you know the cross promotion and the is is just endless here. We uh, we try to talk about anything anybody that's that's doing film, yeah, you know, shooting yeah. film. What, what was your uh, what was your takeaway with uh, you know the number of film shooters here and just how uh, the different range of uh, shooters? Well, you know, I mean, one of the main reasons I wanted to come here also is because uh, you know the alternative processes. You know, you got the guys here working on wet play. You know, oh, it's stunning, right? The the setups they have. Well, you know, Matt, I've never seen a wet plate before, and I come out here, and the first thing Andrew Moxon did on the first day, a morning after I'd arrived, as he set up. So literally, the first wet plate I ever saw was myself staring back at me you know and you know yourself you know it's, it's magical just, right uh, looking at yourself in the mirror almost yeah, yeah. Well, not only that i mean just holding it in your hands this mm-hmm. beautiful 3d effect that you get with it you know and uh the whole process and the smells and everything and the passion that these guys have got you know and yeah. and then you've got the sharing of the portfolios and you know the work here is just absolutely outstanding you well, know i can say i saw you know some of your work and i am i'm still floored like the the um, long exposure technique that you have oh, is yeah, yeah. spectacular. Can you go go, uh, go into that for our listeners? Yeah, sure. Well, um, I use a, a technique I call painting with time. Um, and basically, uh, it all started for me not having any ND filters, you know, okay. to slow waters down. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I started using multiple exposures. So, And I'm very bad at maths. So I, I used filters to get my exposure down to either one or two seconds. Because okay. I knew that, you know, 61 sixtieths of a second equals a second, you know, yeah. believe it or not. I'm, I'm that good at maths, like. So what I decided to do, fortunately for me, I've got a motor wind on my Pentax 645. Oh, that's okay. Yeah, so I can just, you know, and basically what I do is I'll build up an exposure in exposures of one sixtieth of a second. So I'll have either one or two second exposure and I'll have the scene sitting there in front of me. And basically I'm painting with time because I'll sit there and i for instance, if I'm, I'm on a beach and there's some mm-hmm. waves lapping around rocks. So I, what I'll do is I'll just sit there and I'll, uh, I'll wait for a few waves to lap around by the rocks and I'll, I'll let off five, six, seven exposures counting in my head and then sit there a little bit more. And when a few waves come mid, way i'll then rattle off five six seven frames more and you keep doing that and you're building up exposures and eventually you'll have either 60 or 120 whatever exposure on that one frame and you can you're kind of seeing this this image build up in your head and just kind of designing it right well you start off with the image inside your head Mm -hmm. you know rather than letting a a a neutral density filter do that for you yeah yeah. dictate it and let nature dictate it you are literally painting with time you know and uh, when i arrive on a beach with someone to guys when we go out shooting back in the uk uh, you know they're uh, like oh man here comes Stu. no <laughs> no 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 to northern <laughs> love it love it no, no i mean basically they're they're running around like you know buzzing around everywhere and their tripod will go down bang 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 and they're moving around all the time and i'm just standing there you know on this one spot you know my tripod sunk into the sand you know and and i'll, I'll wait and i'll be there 10 15 20 half an hour sometimes like you know just making that one exposure and then i'll move on you know so Oh, yeah, well, I, I can say the ladies and gents, the the prints are 
just so unique. I've never seen anything like it. It's um, it's a technique that you when you see the print, you know it is not your everyday long exposure, but you don't know. Like without the explanation, I would have never guessed there's that much work that goes into it. And it's truly a craft, sir. Very nice of you to say so, Matt. <laughs> Very nice. You know, and equally, what can I say? You know, I see one of your photographs this weekend. You know, I, know, I wish I would have brought more than just and, the one. Whoa, yeah. carbon print, and the first one I've seen that hasn't been behind glass because they've all been in museums before. And oh yeah, no, you got to be seen without it. Oh man, alive, yeah. So <laughs> equally, you know, full admiration for what you're doing. And let's not forget also, you know, I've been here this weekend and, you know, you've had a few two glasses, glasses too many of absinthe. And, oh, you know, oh, geez. And, oh, and things oh. like that. And you've chilled around. But let's, I've watched you today and, you know, and you've worked damn hard, you know, you know, interviewing people and buzzing around. And oh, thank you. And little microphone in people's faces. Oh, and, it's, uh, it's too much fun. Yeah, <laughs> I imagine it is, yeah. But you're working hard. You need a wage, man, you know. You need to oh, get on the uh, payroll. So. You hear that, Mike? Yeah. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Did you come up with the painting with time technique yourself? Is this, are you, you know, because well, it seems like there's probably few guys doing this. Well, no, I'm not. Yeah, but interestingly, actually, um, after I started using this technique, I mean, it's out there. I mean, there's a mm-hmm. photographer in the UK called Les McLean. Okay. And uh, a lot of the guys in the US will know Les. He comes over and he's done workshops and things, like, you know, and was a big name, you know, once upon a time on, on APUG itself, like, you know, oh, though okay. there is a UK form now, and uh, he mainly hangs around there. And Les, in his book, explains, you know, how to do this technique. Mm-hmm. So I probably picked up, with without even really thinking about it, you know, through Les, his technique but then you know I got interested in the work of a UK photographer called John Blakemore and he's oh, been yeah yeah, yeah John Blakemore okay. and John Blakemore was doing it from the year dot you know you know what we're all trying to do today John done you know 15 or 20 years ago like you know and it's, it's John works in uh, exposures of a quarter of a second sort of thing like you know because if you look at Walter you know and, and John's print you know there, there'll be this really glistening glowing highlights and it's you know one second will be four quarters boom 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 and almost one after the other like and bearing in mind that he's also working in uh, large format five by four like you know so you know i was just gonna say everything you're talking about right now kind of sounds like you need to try some large format <laughs> yeah yeah well i mean uh, actually almost the day i arrived andrew moxham was you know looking on the web and at, you know ready to buy me one you know oh, and there's yeah. one here it's, it's 200 trying to sell you one yeah trying to sell me one yeah yeah but i mean the thing is i mean my darkroom setup at home just doesn't allow it to see Matt because I mean it's if you, if you can imagine a 20 foot by 10 foot bedroom mm-hmm. and I've built my darkroom in the corner of my bedroom oh wow yeah so it's only 7 foot by 6 foot so there's no running water and everything there's just no room for a 5 by 4 enlarger I, I can understand that yeah Yeah. so I've been looking at ways around it really and I thought I'm, you know what I might do um, I know quite a few photographers who shoot large format in the UK and Leon being one yeah. of them there's a, you know, a fellow called Trevor Cronlight and Trevor he shoots a lot of 5 by 7 and contact prints you know and they're just beautiful and you hold them I, I love 5 7 contact prints oh you know you look at them and they're just you know they're, they're just fantastic things to hold in your hand and I thought this is a way around I don't need an enlarger mm-hmm. you know I can, I can yeah. get a way around western it. style with the bare bulb yeah exactly on, yeah. yeah yeah I can do that you know so and then there's a lot of people also using you know light you know UV as you know and oh, uh, yeah. as, you know as, as they're enlarger like you know so mm-hmm. uh, there are ways around it and it would suit me quite right because you know I, I stand in one spot for a long time as I've said before you know so uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> so five by four would be a good way to go you know perhaps yeah. I should sell me car and uh, <laughs> you know I've considered it many times but you know yeah. 
keep doing what you're doing. It's great work. Where can uh, people see some of your work? Uh, well, I did have a, a website, and I took it down recently, but uh, some of my stuff they can find on my portfolio. On, on APUG. APUG. Oh, okay. Yeah, and yeah. what's your APUG name? Uh, Stu Bachelor. Yeah, okay. just Stu with a gap Bachelor, you know. And, uh, yeah, there's some old stuff on there, some group gathering stuff and that and uh, hopefully I'll be putting some more on from this trip as well so, oh great yeah. did you get a chance to shoot yeah I, I, uh, I shot I took my OM1 into into New York you know I mean uh, not a 35mm guy but uh, yeah, make it work yeah. yeah definitely I, I shot uh, approximately about seven rolls of film in, in, in uh, New York itself and I got time to hang out in the parks with the people and uh, you know kiddie and you know, toddler and mother groups you know yeah. and you know with all them beautiful buildings in the background and you know down to Soho and uh, Greenwich Village and it's just such a wonderful place and stuff you know so uh, we, we count on seeing you at Photostock uh, 2013 I hope to yeah yeah I definitely hope to but definitely 2014 for sure definitely okay we'll, we'll hold you to it well yeah. thank you so much Stu for the interview and uh, we'll hope to see some more work from you soon thank you Matt and thanks for your lovely comments on my work
Now, before I bring back the spectacular Lily Yokoi from New York, Julia Mead is going to tell us about the wonderful world of Cameraland. Well, Ed, all America is Cameraland, and it's yours just for the picture taking. Now, let me show you. For some, Cameraland is a far off lake where the boats go whizzing by. For others, Cameraland is their own front yard where the kids go whizzing by. Cameraland can be a quiet place just made for sharing together. Or it can be an exciting place that's worth bringing home in all its wonder. In fact, Cameraland is all around you, wherever you go, whatever you do. And it's full of the fun that won't stand still. The fun that's just made for movies. Because movies tell a story as no other pictures can. Step by step, a lifelike story that's so easy to make and so wonderful to see. Right now, your Kodak dealer has a world of new movie cameras to help you capture all the action and color. And new automatic movie projectors, too. You'll find them at photo stores featuring this special Kodak 1961 Cameraland display. Look for it. And with these new cameras by Kodak, you'll find that movies are just as easy to take as snapshots. I'm sitting here with special guest, internationally known fine art photographer, Andrew Moore. Thanks for stopping by, Andrew. Hey, Matt. Nice to be here. Andrew, what, what, what brings you up this way? You know, all the heck the way up to uh, Harbor Springs. When I was working in Detroit, my assistant was Dan Siebold, and uh, was a fantastic, very intrepid, very brave soul who uh, accompanied me, guided me, uh, kept me company, you know, just was uh, all-around amazing person to work with in Detroit. So he's been to Photostock several times before, uh, up here kind of experimenting with wet plate. I'd never seen the process, but I was actually down in Grand Rapids giving a talk at the museum where my show just opened. And uh, I thought I'd come up and check it out. This is fantastic, full circle. I, I interviewed Dan last year at uh, Photostock 2011, so this is coming back, full, you know, full circle for uh, for the listeners. Hope they uh, can catch that. And uh, so uh, you talked about your body of work, and, and what body is that for everybody out there? Uh, it's a, the book is called Detroit Disassembled. It's uh, uh, based on a show coming out of the Akron Art Museum that was at the Queens Museum. Now is at Grand Rapids until the end of August 2012, and then we'll be moving to the National Building Museum in Washington, D.C., end of September 2012 through February 2013. Wow. And for anybody that's uh, kind of looking for a loose idea uh, on the work, uh, Andrew specializes in large, beautiful, large format uh, color work, uh, 8x10 and 4x5 for some of the Detroit disassembled. And can you go in, in a little bit into, you know, what your work is? My work generally deals with places that are in some kind of transitional or in-between phase. So, for instance, in Cuba, many of the cities, architecture, interiors, homes, uh, all kinds of places that reflect this sense of time, sort of out of time, this uh, sort of unique path that that country has taken. Uh, similar project in Russia with layers of, you know, a church that had been turned into a soap factory and then was turned back into a school or something. And now Detroit, which has gone through many phases and is currently uh, struggling to rebuild and renew itself and 
the buildings that express the glory days as well as places where nature has really reclaimed those buildings and different sorts of uh, uh, structure, spaces, architecture, scenes that reflect history and uh, the creation of modern history. Uh, so, Andrew, I'm sure you're very well aware of this, but uh, your book has, you know, stirred up a lot of a lot of uh, inspiration in people that are especially interested in the urban exploration and just the the decay element of things. Uh, what's your What's your take on how people have perceived the book? Well, when I started the project, I, I was really focused on making great uh, and, to my mind, beautiful pictures. I, I wasn't really aware that the book was going to be controversial in any sense. I was just trying to make something that was profoundly satisfying to myself. As it turned out, once the book came out and, and towards the end of the project itself, uh, with the uh, recession and things in, in, in Detroit seeming to take a turn for the worse, many people in in Detroit itself but all over Michigan and other parts of the country as well felt that I wasn't presenting the whole story, that I wasn't talking about Detroit's unique character, its its struggle, its its it, the spirit of Detroit, which is is uh, you know life's hard, but you know we're, we're we're struggling to make it as good as possible, and and I felt that in fact my book did reflect part of that struggle and did talk about the the, the unique and the beautiful things of Detroit, maybe not necessarily to their taste, but dealing with things that are both tragic, difficult to look at sometimes, but also. Uh, very moving at the same time. So my, my book really tried to cover many facets of the story of Detroit and, and my particular take on it as an outsider. Well, I think uh, I think you were you know very well received. We had a we had a, pre- a wonderful presentation by you last night, and you showed us a lot of your uh, images leading up to Detroit Disassembled. And you know my my takeaway from it was when when I saw it, I saw seeing uh, the Russia images and the Cuba images. There was such a a more uh, human element to them Mm -hmm. and it had a like a a warmer feel to it and the the more i'm looking at these i'm like god it's not about decay at all it's just beautiful it's really about the just like people have chapters in their lives Uh, buildings have chapters in their lives cities do countries do and this idea that we go through change and transition and sometimes that's difficult to capture in a photograph a photograph is so much about you know slicing through a, a moment in time but then again if you can find a subject that reflects or somehow that the, that slice through time is actually visible in the photograph. It's like slicing through a, a rock face and seeing the sedimentary layers of time mm-hmm. that I'm looking for subjects that are expressive of both the past, the present, and give some hint about the future as well. So with all of this you're trying to convey in a photograph, would that be a big reason why you chose uh, large format in particular because you're getting all this beautiful detail you know, in a, in a large print? Would that be a reason why? Or? Well, I'm partly, I mean, my training, I studied with Emmett Gowan, and, uh, he, and, and he was an 8x10 guy doing those circular photographs mm-hmm. before he got into the aerial work. Um, and he, uh, Emmett, in turn, had studied with Harry Callahan, and Harry Callahan, in turn, comes out of Chicago and the Art Institute. So there's a long tradition that I'm part of, and, and, and a lot of that was using large negatives. And, uh, and, and also, uh, the, another reason I use large negatives is because I like, I'm a printmaker. I love making big prints, and, and the, the large negatives are certainly uh, very compelling and very engaging printed large, you know, 40, 50, 50, 60, and so forth. And, then, and on the other side just, side, just the details in the negatives themselves can tell different kinds of narratives, have competing narratives. Have You can have uh, textures of, of damage and, and nature's uh, destruction of a space, and at the same time you can have 
plants growing and ferns and something that looks very lush. And, and, and the only way to really express that is to have enough detail to, to make that uh, very visual and, and very visceral in the print, I would say. And we had a couple questions, you know, coming in about uh, what Andrew does, you know, on the technical side of things. And he prints these beautiful, gorgeous um, large format images, uh, 40 by 50, 50 by 60. You know, what, uh, what film stock is he using? Because this is color work, and there's not a whole lot of color out there today. So, Andrew, uh, what do you use? Well, when I first started, I was shooting uh, VPL, which was the long exposure tungsten film because the VPS wasn't, you know, it didn't have great color at that time, and I would often use an 85B. And then as the daylight stocks got better, I switched to uh, the, the Portra uh, 160. That's the main film I'm using these days in, in large form. They look gorgeous. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes I shoot the 400 if I need it, but usually the Portrait 160 is the basic film. And then there was a lovely film made by Fuji called NPL that had uh, multiple uh, layers of dye that helped correct for fluorescent lighting. And that was great. I used to shoot that at night and at dusk, and uh, I really lament that, that that film's gone because there were certain tonalities I'll never be able to capture again. So basically my, my main film is, uh, is, is Kodak Portra 160 and 4x5 and 8x10. And uh, you didn't have a hard uh, transition from the uh, the VCNC to the, the new stock, just the one stock for each? Uh, you know, I used, I used to shoot the VC because I, I just, because when you scan a, a negative, it flattens out so much. So mm-hmm. I just figured, well, why not whatever little extra snap I can get into. And then output, output for the prints, are they uh, large uh, archival ink jet, or are they uh, die They're, prints, uh, or what are they? they? Are, the negatives are, uh, I proof them on an Epson 700 or 750, and then uh, when I'm ready to go and make a big print, I have a drum scan made okay. on an ICG, and that, that's almost a 2 gig file, yeah. 16-bit. Huge. And then those are output, I have an 11880 Epson for making up to the 50 by 60 prints, and the, the occasional big 70 by 90, 6 by 8 footprints are printed with a light jet printer. Wow, that, that's just amazing, the scale. Well, again, in uh, the, the light jet, because the difference between ink and a, a laser a digital C is that with the ink, when it hits the paper, it's just very sharp. It just kind of just sticks in place. And when a laser hits the light, it scatters slightly. So you get a, soft, a slight softening. So for some of my pictures where there's big areas of smooth tones, big skies, I mean, it's not very often, but there are, there are places where the digital C will look better than the ink, and then other cases where the ink is better. And also just a question of logistics. I mean, I, you know, the, those big prints, there's just no way I can print them in my studio. But 80 to 90% of the work I exhibit and show and sell, I make myself. Wow, it's not very often that someone that's uh, so well represented and, and well known prints their own material. That's uh, very fascinating. Well, it's I think it's just part of the 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 craft of what you're doing. I mean, I I feel that every print that comes out of my studio should be as perfect as I can make it, and the only way to really control that is to do it yourself. But and it's also lovely to be able to make you know seven, eight, nine proofs if I have to to get it just just the way I, I like it. And then, of course, over the years, it'll change. So something I printed three, four years ago, when I print it today, I may, I may do it a little differently. And so it's also nice to have that flexibility. Uh, backing up from the, uh, the large format conversation, we might be scaring some listeners because we have a lot of uh, lamography shooters, a lot of uh, Polaroid instant photographers. And we had a, a little chat last night about uh, the Impossible Project. Uh, what do you think about you know, this resurgence of uh, instant film? Uh, it, it looks cool. I have an SX-70 at home, and I haven't been able to get film for it for a while, so I'm definitely going to check out this new color film. 
Oh, you should definitely give it a try. Just uh, you know, a little bit of work, some light shielding, real easy stuff. Shoot it into a black bag and just gorgeous colors. It kind of comes up over a 24-hour period and just kind of has this state of change to it. I, I'm so looking forward to it. it. I saw some results yesterday that were very encouraging, so I'm, I'm going to check that as soon, out as soon as I get back home. You know, I, I have shot some 8x10 Polaroid. I had one of those automatic processors. In fact. Oh, those are nice. <laughs> and I have to say, the black and white 8x10 was beautiful. Mm-hmm. Uh, the color was always a little kind of difficult to work with, so I'll be, be curious to see what this new Impossible film seems like. Very cool. And then uh, back to the e- even smaller stuff, you know, having fun. I was telling, describing to you the, the Lomokino and all the very cool uh, Lomography toys that are coming out. And what, what's your take on those? Well, you know, in the old days when cameramen used to have a hand crank, um, they would often have a tune or, or something that they would, as they would crank, they would sort of sing to themselves so they would get the right speed. And, and that's how they sort of maintained that constant speed. So uh, it's like history and reinventing itself with kids actually hand cranking through. And actually the Bolexes also had a hand crank that you could also... Very uh, old ones, yeah. yeah very old ones as well. So it's interesting to see how these things come back around. And I think it's great. I think it's a counterpoint to all this automated digital auto full auto everything you know where uh, so many people's work begins to look the same you know because it's all being funneled through the same technology so for people to break out and to try to customize and to use things that are more handcrafted or 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 reflect the, the hand i think is an awesome movement very cool thank you so much andrew for sitting down and talking with us and uh where can we go to see your just outstanding work uh well my the main gallery that represents me is yancey richardson in new york and chelsea she'll usually have a couple pictures up in the back room so if you if you're there she's on i think 535 west 22nd street in chelsea and uh also in atlanta at the jackson fine art gallery they they're in uh, buckhead atlanta they, they usually have a few things up otherwise my website www.andrewlmore.com or if you just Google Andrew Moore Photography, it usually pops up right away. And uh, lastly, go if, you, if you're near Washington, D.C., go to the uh, National Building Museum, and you can see the Detroit Disassembled show. It's 30 very large prints from uh, selections from the book. Very cool. Thanks again. All right. Thank you. Great. Hey folks, Matt Mirage here, Photostock 2012. I'm here with the one, the only, the best host on the earth, Bill Schwab. How are you doing, Bill? I'm doing fine. Thanks, Matt. You flatter me. Oh, no, this is, you know, it's, it keeps getting better. Uh, do you ever get sick of saying that every year is the best year of Photostock you've had? <laughs> uh, no, I don't. You know, I mean, this is the seventh one, so we're hoping that it can keep, uh, keep getting better, but I don't know how we're going to keep topping it. Um, but there is a little bit of a magic to it, and it seems every year... It pulls itself off, you know, it does it itself. I'm really happy with it. I couldn't be happier, you know. I'm having a great time with it. It's wonderful to do this once a year and to meet everybody. And, you know, what what I'm noticing now is a lot of the newer and the younger people coming, and there's a lot more now, and uh, it's really nice. It's not just a bunch of old guys sitting around anymore. It's encouraging. Yeah, yeah. it's very encouraging. <laughs> and the other thing about it is is I'm the, the uh, level of the, the, the quality level of the work has gone up so much 
over the last seven years. It's pretty amazing the work that people bring here now. So how, how many, did we ever get a final count of how many showed up this year? I don't know. We're going to have to look at the photograph and then, you know, run through my, my uh, memory bank of who was here that didn't get into the photo. <laughs> I had to leave early. But I'm thinking we probably had north of 50, maybe 60 people. Wow, so almost double from last year consistently. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing about this is it's kind of magical, you know. You uh, sort of you set the dates and invite people, and, and it's up to them to kind of make the event what it is. And every year... It's the wonderful group of people, you know, nobody high maintenance, nobody having mm-hmm. any problems. Everybody seems to be pretty much uh, down with the program. One, and one thing, because, you know, last year it was kind of a blur for me trying to get everything into one and a half days. Right. This year I had some, I came out early on Thursday and I had time to relax and kind of loosen up, do some shooting. This place is magical. There's some of the, it's, it's gorgeous. Everywhere you look, if you yeah. can't find at least at least a dozen photographs everywhere you look you're not looking it is it's a beautiful thing and uh it's really nice because people come from their other environments here and 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 they see so many more things than i do having been here and shot here for so long and it's it's really nice to see what other people pull out of it yeah it is beautiful everywhere the people are wonderful the people that come to it are wonderful the people here at the birchwood inn are oh they're uh, so gracious to us yeah they yeah they love us you know and so every year next week i'll be talking to them about booking up next year so Let's, let's talk a little bit more about your work because you gave us a nice little kind of retrospective uh, on uh, Thursday night, I think it was. Yeah, I did a little filler. I didn't expect so many people to show up on Thursday, so I figured I'd throw myself in there just to do some things. And it was really nice to do and to show people what I do. You know, um, I don't think a lot of people kind of have an idea of the history of my work up here and, and elsewhere. So it was really nice to be able to uh, to do that and show some of my own work. Well, we have a lot of uh, listeners, you know, they're poking around with 35mm guys are poking around with medium format now. We have some Polaroid shooters poking around with, with stuff, large format, and yeah. all sorts of cool stuff. And it's easy to get the large format bug here yeah, yeah. but we uh you know we also talk try to talk about the the art of it and getting good at your craft and i can't think of any better example anywhere of a, a guy that knows how to do it with one camera one lens one film than than bill schwab yeah well i tend to uh i tend to be a one-trick pony in that respect but i, I think it's you know consistency can be a really good thing and that way I learn my, you know, I, I know my equipment, I know my process, and that way I don't really have to think about it when I'm doing my work. And so I'm able to just freely work at my, my uh, you know, creative side rather than the technical side. Mm-hmm. That's what my talk was about, was kind of trying to get people up to speed with that kind of a thing. I'm, so, try, I'm trying to flesh out some, some more of your talk. Yeah, the, uh, no, you, had a, you had a statement about... Um, about closer to home. Do you think you can rehash that for our listeners? Well, it's always one of my things that I tell people is that the measure of a good photographer is what they can do in their own backyard. And, uh, you know, I've been a practitioner of that for a long time now after having feeling like I had to globetrot to find better places to photograph. And not that I'm against that. I still do that. But so many people get locked into the idea that they can't make art in their own home or that they have to go someplace to do it. So that's what's nice about what I do is that I try to keep everything fairly close to home, um, you know, to keep my keep my chops up, so to speak, as far as my work goes, and uh, you know, there's beauty all around us, and there's it's not necessarily you have to photograph beautiful things, you know, but but your own environment can be the most interesting environment, and you know your own environment, and you have a relationship with your own environment, so why not start there? You gave a wonderful demonstration on a photopolymer gravure. Can you go a little bit into that? Yeah, I mean, it's a process that for me works really well with the wet plate process um, because with wet plate, as you well know, they're they're one of a kinds that you're doing, and mm-hmm. I always like a way to be able to reproduce those. And, and photogravure, a good friend of mine named Clay Harmon, 
got me into the process. And it's a very simple process in respect to the uh, traditional photogravure, copper plate photogravure. So, um, you know, it's been kind of it's starting to become my new passion. You know, I've picked up an etching press and I'm working on making my plates and, and working on uh, eventually starting to do some editioning of my prints. Because you also have Northlight Press, right? Northlight Press. And I'm doing my, uh, my, my book runs now. I, I, I don't know if any of the listeners know about the 11 plus 1 series that I've been doing, but it's a small book that I do and I'm trying to do six a year. I've got six under my belt right now. Number seven's about to come out and then number eight. And I'm working with a lot of contemporaries of mine, not necessarily all contemporary photographers, but contemporaries of mine as well as uh, some well-established. So I'm interested in emerging artists and in, and in uh, established artists. And through Northlight Press and this 11 plus 1 books, uh, they come with 11 reproductions in one original print. Oh, wow. And so what we do um, is the photographers, I work in concert with the photographers that I choose to do the books with, and we have them do an edition of 100 of their prints that will be tipped into this book when it ha- when when they come out. Um, but unfortunately, not everybody is able to do that, or I have a wet plater right now named Ed Ross that's going to be the next book that comes out. Uh, Femme Fatale is the name of it. He does wonderful wet plate nudes. But we really had no way to, to reproduce it, so we um, are doing it in a photogravure. And I probably will start doing that with more of them as well. Wow, 100, 100 gravure prints. That's some, that's some work. Well, it is. Uh, Clay Harmon, who was the, the debut, he was number one in the, in the uh, book series. And he did 100 gravures for me before I started learning the process. And I didn't think so much of it until I started learning the process. And I realized how much above and beyond the call of duty he went in pulling 100 uh, hand-pulled photogravures. And out of one plate, that's pretty impressive. It was pretty impressive. And the consistency of them was pretty, pretty amazing as well. So yeah, so uh, we had that book with Clay's um, gravure, and this next one with Ed will be um, will be a uh, photogravure as well. But the other books in the process we've had, you know, Ike Eisenlord or David Eisenlord, uh, Ike to me and everybody else mm-hmm. is a uh, wonderful gum over platinum printer, and his oh his book contained uh, a gum over platinum print that was quite beautiful. And uh, Jennifer Shaw, we worked with, we did a silver print for her, and uh, my book that I did on Belle Isle, I did a um, sepia tone silver print for that one as well. So I'm really trying to keep. Um, it's not necessarily that I'm. Uh, I'm completely into alternative processes for the book series. It just right seems now. to go that way right now. It just now. seems to go that way right now because it's fun to work on, and I tend to know, you know, a lot of my contemporaries and people that I'm tapping for this project mm-hmm. tend to be that type of person. But, uh, you know, there's there's a lot coming up. You know, I've got uh, several contemporary photographers that I've been talking with, um, an old mentor of mine named Alan McQueenie that I'm talking with. Uh, he wants to do one of the books. And uh, uh, the famous Jesse Alexander, the car shooter, um, he's <laughs> he's been on a couple of trips with me now, and we've become good friends, and he really wants to do a book. And my idea with working with more established photographers is to work outside of their realm. Uh, I, I want to publish work that they're not known for. So okay. Given them, and that's why people are interested. And I've given this opportunity to come and publish something that they've done, but they haven't necessarily been able to put out there because it's not necessarily identified with them as their style or as mm-hmm. their projects. Now, do you do, um, is this pretty much just with the uh, contemporary photographers that you do the, the printing with, or, is, or do you do uh, commissions for people as well? Or? I do commissions for people as well. You know, we're starting to, uh, I'm starting to talk with the photographer that I'm publishing next. Ed Ross wants to put out um, some several editions of his work, so I'm talking with him right now about cre- creating a portfolio for him as well. You know, the sky's the limit. You know, we, we do what we do. We're photographers. It's not a lucrative, uh, you know, a terribly lucrative <laughs> living. And you we try to, to make it work. We try to make it work. You have to make it work, and so I, I'm just many fast. You know, it all has to do with photography, but I do the publishing, I do the printing, and I do my own work, which, I'm, you know, my own work is done. Because this is it for you. This is your bread and butter. This is all you do. This yeah. is it. Yeah, this is all I do. And uh, so you many live people... in the dream. Well, yeah. Well, <laughs> people, the grass is always greener. You know, I yeah. always tell people not to quit their day job because... Uh, 
you know, you have doctors, lawyers, and people that come to these things, and they look at your life and think, well, I want to be that. And I always tell them, look, don't it's quit today. It's two full-time jobs. It yeah. is. It's two, three full-time jobs, actually. Oh, my gosh. But I love it. I have a passion for it, and I, I'm not complaining at all. Well, very cool. So where can uh, people find your uh, publishing? Uh, the publishing they can find at northlightpress.com. Okay. That's where I'm, uh, you can buy the books there. We're starting to market them now through PhotoEye. Uh, they're available in a couple of European bookstores at this point. Um, there's only a hundred, an edition of a hundred of each of the books, and we've sold out the first two editions already. So they won't get into too many books. It's more of a niche market. Mm-hmm. Uh, into too many bookstores, I mean. The thing is, is that in building the publishing company the way that I'm building it, I'm funding it all, and so no, none of the photographers, other than, you know, producing a print or giving me a negative or a file or something that can be printed for the original print in there, they don't have to put any kind of investment of their own into it at all. Which That's is, uh, probably the first time I've ever heard that, Bill. Well, and, and that's my goal, is to get away from the idea that um, that you have to be... Pay to play. Pay to play, yeah. right. Um, believe me, I'm not a wealthy person or anything like that, but what I'm doing is I'm funding each book with the previous book's proceeds, and, and, and the photographers that I work with that are more successful in the... Uh, um, with their books, I'm, I'm looking to do uh, larger book projects with them. So the 11 plus 1 series that I'm doing is a means to an end. I'm, mm-hmm. um, I'm hoping that it will be the uh, catalyst for other bigger and better things. Well, great. I mean, I don't want to have you stop talking about the, the publishing work, but we have to hear where we can see your work. We're hungry for it. Where it's can we go work, see it? Uh, BillSchwab.com is the best place to go look at my work. And I urge anybody out there to look me up on Facebook, friend me. And, uh, you know, I'm very prolific as far as that goes, uh, as far as the social media and getting my work out there. So just search me out, BillSchwab.com, Facebook, wherever. And I always put a lot of my work out there. And, yeah, and, and PhotoStock, I think, has a, a Flickr group where you can upload photos to that if you're right. on there. Right. If uh, All the people I invite to come to PhotoStock are uh, welcome to get into the to join the uh, Flickr group and put their images on there. And it's not only images of the event, it's images that they shoot on the event. Um, and basically you can also go to any you know year it's photostockfest.com is the blanket site. Okay. But uh, each year there's usually a you know there's usually a URL to go to for each event and I'll be announcing uh, 2013 pretty soon it's already in the works it's already in the works awesome I can't wait we, oh well that's, that's the hardest part right waiting the other uh, 300, the 363 area. days yeah before the next one comes there's a lot of work in putting it on but uh, it's the beauty in it is that everybody helps out as well so it's it's more of a community event I basically pick the dates and then other people make the party what it is Bill, you, seriously, you're the, the best best host ever. That, that, that's very sweet of you to say. I'm, I'm <laughs> blushing right now. As, uh, they, can't, they can't see that, but I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure to have you come the last two years, and I really appreciate the blog. I appreciate the website, and I appreciate uh, you getting the word out there about this. Well, thanks a lot. We're, we're glad to help and hope to see you next year. Great. I shoot a great champion like Ben Crenshaw. History can happen at any time, and that's why I stay ready all the time with my Canon AE-1. The zoom-in puts me right where the action is. So if Ben gets that one miracle shot, I get it too. Ben, you try the zoom. Sure. Even with the zoom, the Canon AE-1 is as easy as focus and click. The incomparable Canon AE-1, so advanced, it's simple. Hey, we're back. Wow. Without further ado, mm-hmm. our man on the street, Hunter White, went down to KEH. I believe they're in Georgia. Can you look those guys up? Sure I can. Buy, sell, trade, repair. They do it all. All your... I would... I would 
feel safe in saying they take care of all your camera needs. Their categories, they sell everything. 35, digital, medium format, collectible cameras, large format, and more. They are in... Doesn't say. Shmima, Georgia. <laughs> yes. Let's not wait any longer. Let's see what Hunter White says. About K-E-H. About K-E-H. Yo. Yo. This is Hunter White, FPP's man on the street, and I'm sitting here with Todd Murphy, General Manager and President of KEH Cameras in Atlanta. How are you today, Todd? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Before we start, I want to thank Matt, Dan, and Alex for some help on the questions. I want to make this interview one of the best they've done, so thanks for your input, guys. To start off, can you tell us a little bit about KEH for those who do not know? Well, KEH is the world's largest used camera dealer. Uh, We've been around since 1979 and uh, deal in, um, we buy, sell, trade, and repair used cameras primarily. We also sell some new cameras, but uh, used is our primary business. And in that time, we've become the leader uh, in the marketplace in, uh, you know, buying your used gear, refurbishing it, reconditioning it, and reselling it through uh, our catalog or through a uh, phone service or on our website. On the website, there is kind of a rating system. Can you tell us a little bit about the rating system? The KEH grading system, we have really... uh, Uh, spent a lot of time coming up with and and we feel that it's really one of the best and most conservative on the market. We have uh, a number of different grades, anywhere from uh, new all the way down to ugly and a number of grades in between. About 50% of our sales come in the excellent category. If you order something excellent from KEH, it is going to, not only we're going to stand behind it with a six-month warranty, but it's going to um, aesthetically and cosmetically look very much like a new camera would. How is grading, I mean, I guess assessed? How does one go about at KEH determining the grade of a camera? We have 18 different highly trained technicians which uh, grade our camera equipment. And our, um, we have very specific parameters uh, which we grade. If there's, if there's too many scratches or if there's brassing, which would be a, you know, a, a part of the camera that, that where the finish has worn off, or if there's scratches or marks on lens glass, or if it's a, a flash that, that has a scrape on uh, uh, the filter, something like that. The, uh, the grading process is something that our technicians go through a fairly long process being able to grade and be tested on what what our cosmetic grades are. When you get down to the lower grade, there's a tendency some people have to maybe be hesitant about getting a bargain product, um, but then they get it and they say, it's always been great. I mean, what is the difference between like bargain and ugly? What are the differences in the very low categories? When does it become, I guess, more function over form? Where the differences will be most apparent is on lenses. And an ugly lens will have a mark or marks on the glass in some way, shape, or form that would absolutely affect image quality. It could be a piece of fungus. It could be a scratch on the rear element. It could be a coating that's got a problem. It could be separation within the elements. Whereas a bargain would would be, it may have a few marks. It may have some dust. It may have some, even, even our excellent grade lenses may have some dust in them. However, it would be something that would be determined not to be affecting image quality. Our grading system is purely cosmetic, so it doesn't have anything to do with how well the item works. If an item is ugly 
or if an item is like new, it still has to function as it would need to function properly to, to take a, a good, accurate photograph. Why would I like decide to get a used camera on KH at KH versus eBay or Craigslist? I mean, is the bargain system, I guess, is that the main appeal of KEH? I think any anybody that buys anything used has got to be confident that what they're buying is going to be a product that's going to last say as long as something if they were to buy it new it's like buying a used car yeah if you buy a used car from somebody on ebay or craigslist you may you may not know exactly where that car has been you don't know who's looked at it you don't know who's cared for it you don't know if it's been properly maintained um, it certainly is not going to come with any sort of a warranty yeah and and chances are no one, no one is going to stand behind it. KEH is a little different in that we really care about our customers. We want we have a very high customer retention rate, meaning that people that come that buy, sell, trade or or have cameras repaired from us, generally we have a very a very high percentage of them come back and do business with us in the future. Yeah. To do that, we you know, we we've attained that reputation because we treat customers right. We put a 6-month warranty on all of our used equipment, unless otherwise noted. You know, there's sometimes we just sell things, you know, as is uh, that, that would that would be something that be a, almost a throwaway type item. But the vast majority of our our items do have a six month warranty, and uh, the reason we do that is to stand behind the product that, that we're selling. Yeah, and you guys do have an eBay store, correct? Yes, we do. We have an eBay store. Uh, we also sell on Amazon. Our uh, our eBay store carries um, at currently about 1,100 items. Many of those items are available on KEH.com, but many of them aren't. There's a lot of uh, esoteric and, and strange little items that uh, we may put on eBay that, that may not go into the website. Primarily because our audience is film shooters. I mean, what is kind of the film camera versus digital ratio? And I mean, what formats do you carry? Uh, interestingly enough, we uh, well, I can I can answer the format one very quickly. Um, we carry virtually every format, anywhere from a miniature um, format like a Minox spy camera, all the way up to um, you know eight by ten, eleven by fourteen view cameras, and everything in between. We're very heavy in medium format. We have a lot of thirty-five millimeter film. Our film and digital um, percentages are are split fairly evenly. Now, our average, the average average item that we sell in the film categories is not the same value of the average items that you would sell in the digital category. However, we are really, I feel, although I haven't, we have, we don't advertise this, that we really sell more film equipment than anyone in the world also. Um, Because we really actively go out and, and look for and buy and are able to um, give people good money for film equipment, whether it's 35 millimeter or medium format or large format. And so we can we still have the technicians here with the experience to recondition that equipment and and resell it. Over the past years, we at FPP have seen kind of a, a resurgence in film and traditional practices, and it's kind of gone up. Has that, I guess, been echoed by you guys also? Has film, I guess, sold more in the past few years? Absolutely. Uh, you know, I kind of, and people ask me why that is, and uh, one of the things that I kind of attribute it to is, um, do you have time for a quick story? Yeah. Okay. Uh, how I usually attribute that is that, you know, LP vinyl, you know, record sales over the past three years have been up nearly 50% each year. A lot of companies are starting to reproduce vinyl 
in um, in records that are that are brand new. And this is after we've been through cassettes and eight tracks and CDs, and now we're into MP3s. And and I and I heard a panel one time talk about this, and they said why. Our LP sales up 50%. Now, 50% is not what 50% was 20 years ago. You know, yeah. it's a much smaller market, but it's still, um, you know, hundreds of thousands or yeah. even millions more albums that are being sold. The the, the reason that, that people came up with it is when the, you know, when the iPod was brand new back in the about 2000 or late 90s, nobody had it. You know, only yeah. the real techies had it because the first version of the iPod only worked with a Mac. And then they came out where it worked with the PC. And then they came out with different versions. And they came out with red. And they came out with black. And they came out with blue and all these different versions. And now it's that, I mean, I have got probably six or seven, you know, iPod-type devices yeah. in my house. You I'm know? recording it on exactly. an iPhone, which is essentially a just a really fancy iPod. Right. So it's it's almost like the MP3 player or the iPhone or the digital music player has become so commonplace yeah. that the younger generation today has resorted back to old technology to make it more of a, a unique thing. Yeah, I mean, they're just used to, you know, having a digital camera around all the time. It's not special, but when you break out a 35 millimeter camera, it gets attention and it is something special. There is, and, and there's something about convenience. I know I have fallen into this myself, and I've recently gotten, you know, back into vinyl. And the thing I like it about, about it the most is that I have to put on an album side and I have to sit there for 20 minutes and listen to it. Yeah. It's not easy to fast forward and use, uh, you know, I don't have a remote control on my stereo yeah. or anything like that. So, the, and, and the reason I say that is film is kind of a lot the same way, is that film cameras are, they're nostalgic, but, you know, people still say that albums produce better sound than CDs or MP3s. I would not dispute the fact that film produces yeah. better quality than digital, and I don't think a lot of people would dispute that. Yeah. And especially for the price. You can get a medium format camera for a couple hundred bucks. You can't get a medium format digital camera for a couple thousand bucks. Right, and it's all about the, it's, it's kind of about the thrill of the chase. You know, you don't know, there's something about not knowing what you're photographing and how that's going to come out, and using the knowledge that you've learned through your schooling or your experience to be able to set a shutter speed and an aperture to get a high-quality photograph. And when that photograph comes out properly, which you don't know when you're taking the photograph, yeah. really, if it's going to come out properly, but once you develop it and print it and realize it did, it's, it gives a much bigger feeling of gratification and wanting you to go back and do even more than, than our... We're kind of creatures of convenience with the digital yeah. music, with the digital iPhones, with the digital cameras, for that for that matter. Yeah. I just saw the warehouse a second ago, and, and we may walk, well, we probably are going to walk through. I mean, what, I mean, can we get some, it's massive, first off. Can we get some actual, I guess, not hard numbers, but what is around the amount of gear that you have back in the warehouse? Um, we, at any given time, have somewhere between sixty and 65,000 individual pieces of inventoried gear and that's that's not counting the items that may be uh waiting to be put into inventory so we we buy worldwide and uh, obviously in order to um to sell all this used gear we've got to be able to acquire this used gear so we have got man, many systems in place to be able to buy film cameras and digital cameras and lenses and flashes and all the accessories involved in that with it, all over the world. 
yeah. pretty much. So we've got people all over the world to help us do this. I think that the, the beauty of KEH is we are, we are out there almost everywhere, but everything comes through a central location, is seen by a finite amount of people which have great experience that can, you know, prepare and, and resell an item that, um, you know, maybe maybe 15 or 20 years ago, a, a Hasselblad medium format camera was out of your financial price range. But now it's most likely within your financial price yeah. range. So even if you buy one and don't use it that much, you don't feel that, oh, I've spent five or $6,000 on a camera that I'm not using. Yeah. Um, it may be substantially less and much more worth the investment for you now. Digital cameras are kind of commonplace for, I mean, losing their value when the next one comes out. What is... I guess, the, how does a high-end film system hold the value versus like a digital system? Film overall is, um, it is very stable right now. Um, now I say it's stable, it's stable for us. There's, there's more film equipment out there. You know, there, there's a lot of film equipment out there. Yeah. Now film equipment really hasn't been made by the manufacturers now for going on probably four to five years. Uh, there's very few camera bodies still being made. Yes, you can still find one here and there, but it's yeah. not, you know, commonplace. And even the ones that are are just very hard to acquire, like a Canon view camera. They're not traditional 35 millimeter for the most part. Exactly, exactly. You can you can get it. It's a specialty, you yeah. know, it's a specialty item. The value really has to do with supply and demand. Um, there are a number of the older professional film level film cameras, as well as film cameras such made by such brands as like Leica and contacts and Zeiss that are higher-end German manufacturers, or like as a higher-end German manufacturer that meticulously collected serial numbers and things like that. So from a collectible point of view, a lot of that stuff can still be going up because it has to do with how many are out there that are still in usable condition. And that number um, is just like a collectible car. Every year that goes by, there's less and less of those cars that are on the road that are usable that that can be you know maintained and and, and actually used for for its craft. Have there really been any like really rare or really unique cameras that have come in that you can tell us about? There are rare and unique cameras that come in very frequently. We've probably one of the the neatest items we've seen in the last year was a Nikon 2000 millimeter lens that, excuse me, I'm sorry, it was a 1,000 millimeter lens that was originally for the Nikon F back in the early 60s. And this particular lens, you know, a Nikon 1,000 millimeter lens is, is not all that rare, but the Nikon 1,000 millimeter F6.3 lens was very rare. And they only made about 100 examples. Uh, most of them they sold to the U.S. government, which were then used in a military type um, use in Vietnam in that basically there's hardly any of them left. Yeah. Um, this one uh, was le was found and uh, we actually um, sent it to an auction over in Austria last year and it sold uh, for somewhere in the neighborhood of about $18,000. Wow. You guys sell new and, and used equipment but you also do repairs. Can you tell us a little bit about how that process works? Yes, our repair business has been, um, we, we have two sex sides of our repair business. One, one side we use, we have technicians on staff to repair the items that we buy you know, we buy items that need repair. So if we're going to put a six-month warranty on something, we not only need to make sure it, it, it's sold in working condition, yeah. but if there does happen to be a problem down the road within the six months or even after the six months, we have to have 
um, technicians available to repair that as quickly as possible for, for the customer, either free within the first six months or uh, at, at a charge uh, after the six months would expire, or if you just didn't even buy something from us or you just had a, a camera that needed repair. And we work on anything from a, a very old uh, film camera up to the, the, the latest technology of digital cameras. I guess in closing, are there any, I mean, kind of new or exciting things that are happening with KEH in the future? I mean, you're ever-expanding, but does is anything else going on? We are really growing, and um, KEH is, we've, we've been around now for 33 years, and it's amazing what, what we've learned in those 33 years, but it's also amazing what we continue to learn and continue to do to be able to serve our customers better and make our business um, more viable for the future. You know, we want to be there for all the film shooters and the digital shooters, but we have really found, you know, a lot of film shooters have really found a home with us because we, we really, um, you know, buy, sell, and trade every last accessory that you could possibly find yeah. for, for most film equipment. And, you know, much of the film equipment is extremely affordable, now, yeah. um, but you can buy an extremely afford affordable camera that still has a six-month warranty on it. Yeah. So if you use it and you just want to get back into it or you're in school or um, you just want to buy something and, and say, hey, I had one of these when I was uh, younger and I just wanted to sit something on the mantle and say, hey, that's that's exactly, tell the grandkids that's what I used to shoot with a number of years ago, then, then we've got something for you. Thank you, Todd. It was a pleasure. Back to you, Mike. Hey, we're back. We're back in the studio. You always say that. You need a new tagline. Okay. Here we are again. Uh, we have a bunch of stuff to talk about. John bought a Polaroid, well, it's a Minolta brand, but a Polaroid camera that takes impossible film. Who knew that this day would come? Because, John, you were a bit... Uh, I was the worst critic. critic the worst. Impossible when they first started. John Fideli now has a Polaroid a camera. camera. Hey! Because the images... Uh, thank you very much. Images, I think, are uh, dreamy enough at this point. Yes. I, I would have them stop making future formula formulas so or continue the formulas they have now because they always discontinue the previous stuff. The fact is never say impossible for anything. Right, give me a pack. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You yeah. have a pack. You want to try the black and white? Yeah, sure. This is right from Impossible. I saw it on Facebook. It says, uh, this is from the Impossible Project Facebook. It says, announcing a new feature on the Impossible blog, Take 5 with the Impossible Factory team. First up, the man with the coolest name, Nico Dicken. D-I-K-K-E-N. Could be yeah. Dyken. Dyken. Do you have a question or a message for the people shooting impossible film? This is right from the fact. I do have a message, of which I think it's an important one. Do not shake our film. <laughs> He's pissed. It's in all caps. It's like, wow. do not shake our film. My God, he's annoyed. But those guys from the factory are the coolest. They're always smiling. That's Well, it's probably tongue-in-cheek. Yeah. As suggested in the promotion campaign, Shake It Like a Polaroid, quote, end quote, about 10 years ago. It's probably longer than that. Yeah. It is a persistent misunderstanding that you have to do that. Do not do this. It will cause defects instead of making your image better. Stupid. <laughs> does not say stupid. No. So thank you, Possible Facebook page. Uh, hey, here's a letter from Joe Morota. Directions. Joe, Joe Morota. Yeah. Why do I know Morota? Because he wrote a letter last show. Oh. Much thanks for you coming out to the Analog Plus meetup this past weekend. Great opportunity to meet you and Matt. The heat was brutal, but what a great time to meet other photographers. 
For some reason, I missed a note posting in June about the free Kodak film. If you have any left, I could use a roll of Color 120 print film. As I mentioned yesterday, I really enjoy your podcast. It was interesting to hear the other participants talk about things they have heard on the show. What show? People, you know, hanging around talking about the show. Oh. Uh, yeah, Joe Morota, I met him in Cleveland at the Analog Pulse weekend. Oh, no kidding. That was a shindig put on by the Aperture Store in... Uh, Cleveland, Ohio. Cle- in, uh, yeah, Cleveland, Ohio. You had a grand old time, did you? Hey, here's a message from Adam Griffiths. He said, I recently found out about the Impossible Project and purchased a 600 Supercolor Esprit. Hmm. The Supercolor Esprit, that's like a... I knew he immediately that he was not in the U.S. Oh, yeah. Why? There's no Supercolor Esprit oh. in the U.S. It's a different name in the Different uh, name, European same market. camera. Yeah. Uh, it is the pink camera. Pink. The guy had in Matt's recent bit about the Polaroid party. Is that right? Search the Google. The Google. He bought it for his wife, who's always want, who always wanted one. There's another hint that he's not from the U.S. Whilst, whilst, whilst researching the film, I discovered you guys. I have listened to about 20 of your previous podcasts. It's a lot. The topics are fascinating. <laughs> I'm so dry, everyone out there. <laughs> I am so dry. The topics are fascinating. The banter, frankly, hilarious. Down here in New Zealand... Ah, there you go. Why didn't he say, Mike? See, you're like a detective, Mike. We have a small population and therefore very small markets for anything niche. With the advance of digital technology, film can certainly be called niche here now. There are only a few stores selling it. Materials for printing are extremely hard to find. Chemicals for black and white developing difficult. E6 or C41. Mm. And then Brency puts the sound effects. C41. E6. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Due to eBay's slightly incestuous nature, many many refusing to ship down here, we have our own auction site called TradeMe.co.nz. However, due to the small amount of people here, like film, Polaroid film, or the land cameras are very rare. Mm, You have to travel abroad. Yep. Bring it back home. Oddly, there are masses of color pack 80s, which are... The square cameras, you can't even buy film for it. Mm. And although less rare, 600 series cameras command high prices. I listened to your podcast, perhaps number 49 or 50, one of the December podcasts. You were passionately talking about eBay, inflated shipping, not shipping internationally. I wanted to confirm that you are our best bet for getting hold of many of the items you Mm. stock in your store. Look at that. Oh, awesome. We ship worldwide. Yeah. You're not discriminatory. No. I recently picked up a 340 land camera from Trade Me. It was very cheap and in okay condition. A battery had leaked and the rangefinder was knackered. Knackered. Just, <laughs> just holding it, I fell in love with it in much persistence. I got it working. I Even rec- though my eye burned a little bit. I recently purchased a pack of FP100C from, your, from you to test it because if I want to buy a 10-pack of FP100C here, I will pay $64.95. Oh, my goodness. That's $50 USD. Now, not only did you pique my interest in my camera, in a way you helped to get it work, you've got my business, and my next order will be consist- considerably larger. Adam. All wow, right. that's awesome. There you go, Adam. That's awesome. Thank you very much. Wow, that must really be a bummer not being able to get the stuff you need if you have a, you're jonesing. That stinks. You have a hobby that you're jonesing about? Here's uh, Brian Reynolds. Brian was the guy from the uh, FPP New York Walk. He mm-hmm. had a beard mm-hmm. and a collared shirt and a large format camera. Oh, yes. said, I just dropped the film off for processing. Talking about the film he right. shot on that day. Mm-hmm. In contact prints earlier today. Uh, this letter, of course, is from May. I'll let you know if I get anything worth putting online. 
I might even get dragged into joining the Flicker. Ah, he's not a Flicker member? You're on the Flicker. I'm on the Flicker. Yeah, you like the Flicker? I love the Flicker. Do you ever go into forums and read up? No. No? I don't have time to be social on the internet. Mm. I had a great time on the photo walk, even though I got separated from the herd. <laughs> yeah, we lost them. We lost them. You know why? Because he was large format. He needed time to do his thing. He needed thing. time, like time, like real time. Because I remember we were looking back at him, and you're like, what is that guy doing? Yeah. Setting up his camera. Well, he set it up before we left, but then, of course, to take the photo is no easy task as well. So, The Masters for View Master Reels were shot on 35mm. I'm really? not sure how they were reproduced for production reels. There were two View Master personal stereo cameras. You remember a Viewmaster? Oh, yeah. I loved it. I had a talking Viewmaster. Oh. You'd get stuff like the Grand Canyon. Yep. Or the Flintstones. Yeah. And or educational or stoops. Miopta Stereo 35 camera. You can make your own Viewmaster reels at home. Wow. A few, up, up until a few years ago, Viewmaster still made blank personal reels so you can mount your own. There are a couple of groups working on a new Viewmaster reel system. Really? I think one of them uses a digital film recorder to... I'll put the images into a 4x5 sheet of film, which is then cut into a disc, hmm. and sandwiched between some cardboard discs, produce the windows for the final reel. There's a guy on, uh, out in Cleveland recently when I went, also talking about 3D. It's a whole niche. Yeah, Viewmaster that, 3D technology. Yeah. I, had a few, I had a 3D Viewmaster as well. You did? I was all about the Viewmaster when I was a punk. Uh, Brian goes on to say, Peter Gowland, I guess we talked about Peter Gowland recently. Yeah. Was an incredible guy. Besides his photography and cameras, by the way, Google Peter Gowland is a. How do you spell his last name? I'm not asking you to. Oh. <laughs> Same. Oh, G O. Well, somebody else may want to. G O W L A N D. Peter Gowland. Gowland. The Google. He also wrote some really good photo instructional books. Like some of his earlier books included example photos of people like Robert Wagner, who would later become famous. Mm. Lens and Repro, that's lensandrepro.com, right. down on West 17th Street, used to have one of his 8x10 Gowland Flex cameras on display. Hmm. Wow, he had his own cameras. If someone was looking for a more portable, less expensive, large format, they can get a 2.25x3.25 or a 6x9 camera. There are some nice, newer design 6x9 cameras, but they tend to be more expensive in part because hmm. people are using them with medium format digital backs. Dow. That's interesting. Interesting. Thanks, Brian. Yeah. Appreciate the letter. Good to see him. Sorry we lost you, mate. Yeah, sorry we lost you, mate. What's this? Instructions, it says. <laughs> it's okay. It doesn't belong here. Oh, no. Introduction. Sorry. I thought it said instructions. Here's a quick There's note. a lot of mail. Jeez. Yeah, I'm trying to just barrel through. Here's a quick note from um, Michael Sinquino. See, he put the pronunciation. Yeah, that's nice. I would have never got it. I was going to say that. It was very good for you. I wanted to see how one might submit to your project. I'm publishing a book of Polaroids in July. I wanted to connect with you guys. Thanks for your time. and look forward to hearing from you. <sighs> we have since put up on our site, says uh, Film Photography Project, an online community for people who love film, yada, yada. We're not, people get confused. They think we're an actual project. Like, how do oh, I submit to your I project? I see. No, we're just an online community revolving around this show. What show? And uh, our main website is filmphotographyproject.com. So that's a polite piss off? <laughs> no. Oh, okay. Here's an email from Martha My dear, Reyna. Always been my How to pronounce your name? Martha. Uh, Martha. <laughs> but she didn't tell us, how to, <laughs> just tell us how to pronounce her last name. My name is Martha Renya. Yeah, oh, and I was the winner of one of your giveaways last year. You guys gave me an Argus 75. Wow. I have yet to use it, 
but d- due to the weather. But it's summer now here in Texas, and I'm really excited to finally use it. Notice my excitement. I just wanted to drop by and say hi. Also, last time I sent you guys my Flickr link. It was very disorganized and, well, not a lot of my photos up. So here's my link again. Hope you guys enjoy my photos. I'll say my favorites are my Europe and New York photos. Keep up the great work. I love the website. Adios. Here's a question from uh, Avi. Oh, Avi. Uvi. A-V-I. says Avi. 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 Yeah, Avi. Avi. U-H is A? Uvi. Uvi. No, U is U. Uvi. Uvi Avi. Sorry. (laughs) I have a problem with my Polaroid Land Camera 101. I've tried hooking it up with batteries and doing the test where you cover up the small light meter thingy and then hearing if it makes the second click. Yeah. Unfortunately, it doesn't. Oh, dear. (coughs) John, I'm so dry. I know. When is someone going to send us some Mr. Brown? (laughs) What else could I possibly do besides giving up? It would be great if you could easily reply, as I would love to shoot with my Polaroid as soon as I can. Love your podcast and videos. Avi. Uvi. I sent him a response. Sadly, I don't have the response. I did, went through the whole battery check with him. Yeah. Just like I did with you. Yeah. You were disgusted when you saw that battery chamber. I was disgusted were. because I know you bought it from a guy on eBay, and I know the guy, the seller on eBay told you it wasn't corroded. Yeah. And I, I've been through the same thing. I buy a camera, and a woman's like, oh, it was my daughter's. Yeah. It shows up. And it should be like an emergency. There should be an emergency phone number to call to have guys in like hazmat suits come pick it up with like a 10-foot pole. Take it out. It was covered with dirt, soot, mold, and God knows what else. It was dangerous. So I emailed her. I'm like, you know, you said the camera was working. You said the camera was your daughter's. This camera is covered in filth. And she's like, oh, a a teacher gave it to my daughter. That makes it worse. Well, what does that have to do with no, anything? It though? makes no sense. When someone says, Who's my daughter's? Don't you think of the camera in a closet or in a drawer? Sure. You don't think of a, cover, a camera covered in soot? You don't think of it sitting in a cat litter box? I refused to touch the camera. I immediately packed it back up, sent it back, and demanded my money back. And I don't, I don't demand anything in this mm. life. But as eBay customer buyer, yeah. about five cameras I sent back last month, John. Did she? Oh, that's... That's a lot. People like saying shutters work on like, you know, rangefinder cameras yeah. and they don't. Yeah. It's like, you know what a bummer it is? Yeah. Well, a lot of people put disclaimers down there. Look, as is, I'm not an expert. Those people should be put imprisoned. <laughs> 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 this should be an eBay prison. <laughs> Here's a letter from. <laughs> thanks, John. <laughs> okay. Here's a letter from Matt Haynes. John, hey. I recently I walked in London seriously. You guys had a, should have tied a rope to me. Yeah. So as you're walking, dragged you, you along. Drag me. It would have been like a prisoner being pulled behind I mean, a, a horse. We walked for like five hours. Thank God that the sun wasn't out. Yeah. So it was a dreary well, London day. Recently, are we going to talk about that at all? Or are we going to acknowledge that we had our... We should talk about this. I, I thought we were going to have like a special edition. I saw Jeremy North on the FPP uh, photo walk in London. And I tell you, he loves the Google. The Google. Loves it. <laughs> he loves the Google. The Google. He had such a smile on his face. What does he like better? The show? Or the Google? What? No, he loves the show. What show? <laughs> uh, this year was a different vibe on the walks. I didn't There's do... a lot of people there, man. I didn't... I was looking at the photos from last year, 2011. There's like maybe 20 people. There are hundreds of pe- pictures online. Yeah. Hundreds. Yeah. Because each person's posting like 20 pictures. Yeah. It was a phenomenal turnout. Phenomenal turnout. But Jeremy, you have to understand, I, I, 
I would have spent the entire day just talking to people. Uh-huh. And I, I did. I have very few pictures. I shot maybe five rolls. Maybe we, we all should have had Lavier mics on. Yeah. Matt Haynes. Uh, <laughs> here, how to pronounce Schnitzel von Krum. He's like <laughs> effing with us. Schnitzel von Krum. He's fooling us, right? Oh, he is. Matt. He's a silly guy. He says, you probably don't remember me. Of course I do. Matt Haynes is one of the first guys ever, ever to donate film to FPP. Oh, really? Yep. By the way, if you're out there and you have a camera that works or have some film that you're not using and you want to donate it, or let's say your wallet's a little heavy this week <laughs> and you want to lighten it up. Uh, Does that happen anymore? People use plastic. No, people carry cash, I guess. Really? You yeah. could donate to the FPP, the Film Photography Project. To help us spread the love. Yes, the because we, this is a volunteer outfit and everything helps. A, it helps to keep doing our giveaways. Mm-hmm. And uh, B, it helps keep the uh, power on in the building because yeah. this is a, a singular FPP entity, this studio. So uh, thank you, Matt. Uh, way back in 2009 or 2010, he donated some film. So of course I remember you. Yeah. Go to filmphotographyproject.com and hit the donate button. Not you, Matt. You did already. Uh, he says, you don't remember me, but I donated some film or a camera or something back a few years ago. He doesn't even ago. remember. He says, I don't even remember what it was. Uh. And I can't find the email thread. I was wondering if you've given any thought to wedding photography on film lately. He says, what the F, you ask? Yes. Well, both John and I are retired from weddings. Yes. If I, if I, let's say I was forced to shoot a wedding. But people may see that as a challenge, which it is. Shooting film, shooting a wedding. wedding on film would be a real challenge. And if you're Not up er- for the challenge, God bless you. No one's a Gene Gabelli anymore. No. Guys were, guys were geniuses, yeah. I, would, I would say. Matt Mirage shoots film at weddings. Well, we all know Matt's talent. Yeah. Matt Mirage. Yeah. Matt Haynes. He, he may be very talented as well. He I says, interesting, Kojak, Kojak. Kojak? <laughs> Kodak is Kojak in this. Who, in this, who loves you, baby? <laughs> in this shoe because I can't talk because my mouth is so dry. Yeah. I can actually see it like peeling from your palate every time you talk. Kojak. Peeling off your palate. We're going to call Fuji if, if Kodak is Kojak. <laughs> oh, Fuji? Fuji could be, what was his brother? Kojak's brother. Oh, I don't know. Uh, the, guy, the big guy with the curly hair. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't Demetrius. Big dopey guy. It may have been. Oh. It was something Greek. Yeah. What was it? I'll have to look it up on the Google. Oh, yeah. The Google. Stavros. Stavros? No, that was the other guy. The good looking guy. Who was the hunky guy in that? Dan something? Oh, Kevin something. Kevin. Kevin something something. We're mm. talking about the U.S. series Kojak, which ran in the early 70s. So, interesting, Kojak and Fuji report an uptick in film sales. My local mama Kevin pops. Dobson. Kevin Dobson played who? I got to see. Well, it just came up. The bro- uh, he, no, no. The guy at the, the, guy at the police station was Telly Savalas' real-life brother. Yeah, it was. The dopey guy. He, always, yeah. he was always like, get out of here. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I got one. He looked like the guy from the brewery. Telly Savalas. Kevin Dobson was Bobby Crocker. Yep. And George Savalas was Detective Stavros. Stavros! <laughs> <laughs> so there's an up, uptick in uh, Kojak film being sold. There was a, de- there was a Detective Rizzo. Rizzo. All right, so Matt Haynes, great to hear from you. Yes, of course we think about shooting on film at weddings because we don't think about anything else. Yeah. Rosemary Hawkins. Rosemary's very kind to the FPP. She says, I will be sending two more cameras soon. Wow. Yes. Rosemary, you're the... She's awesome. You're the bomb, as they say. And Rosemary, wasn't it you that sent the, the E6 
film certificates in December? Wasn't that you? E6. There's like uh, nothing escapes your mind on this no. issue, does it? My memory is good today. My memory, the lack of moisture is, is making my memory. <laughs> making your synapses fire yep. quickly? Rosemary saying two more cameras. The Canonet G317, which is an awesome uh, DAG uh, rangefinder, <laughs> and a Trip 35. Ooh. We're going to have a trip task to give away in a few months. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm eagerly awaiting my trip. I love the podcast. They are all great. Have a great week, Rosemary. <laughs> Thank you. So what was your favorite part of the uh, London Walk? Just being there. Yeah. As, as Mark... Did you, did you uh, meet one... Like, we didn't great. meet one person that was not nice. Nope. Everybody was very cordial and rolled out the red carpet. Rolled out the red carpet. I got some uh, metering tips from Photoni and from Andrew. Uh, I don't know his last Andrew name. Andrew Bartram? Bartram, yes. Because I, I had never metered before. I had my panoramic camera, which I loaded all effed up. Stoops. Yeah. And plus my fingers are in the shot. <laughs> It's a hard camera to learn how to use, but... Uh, it was a really smooth trip. It was awesome. Like, everything was on time. Like, yeah. it was just like clockwork. Yeah, Darren and, uh, and Donker Dave did a great job. Yep. Should we call him Donker Dave or just Dave? He calls himself Donker Dave. Uh, Donker Dave. Yeah, did a great job. Hey, Donker we Dave. We managed to sneak away and get a pint during the walk. Some guy, some guy who was not on the photo walk snuck away with me to show me an exterior of a building that was used for the... Hercule Perrault series. Oh, really? Did you take a shot? I did take a shot. And when I came back, Jeremy was like, Who's that guy? Exactly. He's like, I don't like him. <laughs> <laughs> he's, a, he's a great protector, Jeremy. Yes, he is. He had met the guy on some other photo related oh, thing. Oh, no kidding. And he thought he was like something dodgy about him. Uh, well, maybe. So here the guy's like, and the, it was kind of strange. The guy's like, Come here. Come here. It was like leading me away. Hey, hey come here, man. Pass into bushes. Like, I could have been like beat over the yeah, head. He's going to steal your cameras and like leave you for dead. <laughs> yeah. It's like, look at that. Do you watch Perot? I mean, it was the strangest thing because, yeah. A, the series is not on TV anymore. No. It's like 90s, 1990s. Did he know you were American? Yes. Yeah. But, the, of, I mean, strange things. And Say, we're walking, yeah. you know, and I'm like, do you watch Midsummer Murders? <laughs> he's like, yes, I do. And then when I came back, Jeremy had this like face like, Mm. Like a skeptical look on his face. Like, you still have your wallet? <laughs> Check oh, your man. wallet. <laughs> but I, I just wanted to say to everybody that please to no end. Please to, to no with, end. Uh, the reception. And uh, I talked to so many people that day. And I didn't even talk to everybody. It was a... Last year, you could have talked to everybody. And I think I did. This year? No. No. Last year was the first year, was it? Yeah, the first year. Yeah, but this year. Second year. Yeah. Hike. There were uh, like almost 50 people. Let's... Amazing. Phenomenal. Great. A lot stayed on for the show at the uh, Lamography. Everyone the stayed Sailors on. The place for was a, packed. For a crummy show. Yeah. <laughs> a crummy iPad and iPhone show. I think you guys show. could, like, tick that up. Put that, like, up that a few notches Yeah, next time. we could have. Well, you know what? I think next time we're going to get on Darren to find a pub that has instruments. That we Is there play. such a thing? Yeah. They're, they're, they, they call it a back line. Some bars have a back line where they have all the amps and drum sets. Well, let's put we can put set. the weight on uh, Tom O'Stono. He could play with us. He has to bring instruments, like a well, like put it all on him. Well, he shows up in like a 1972 VW van, <laughs> loaded with instruments, yeah. and all his friends, yeah, all his mates, and he has to have some King Crimson songs ready to go. Everybody's sweet. Everyone. And Jeremy was great. is like the the a cool uncle. Yep, no, he showed up. A little up. bit crazy, but totally. He cool. was dressed. What do you call it? dressed? For the nines. Dressed to the nines. Yeah, he had a gig. He, he had a gig or, or a family event? Either a gig or an engagement. No, he had an engagement. Yeah. 
But uh, and of course, Doctor Dave was uh, there, helped set up the the show. What show? Oh, the lovely people at Lomography. Yes. Great. Very kind. Yep. Linda was not there, but Gemma was there. Yeah, Gemma. Yep. Everybody liked Gemma. Yep. She was a Gemma. What's not What's not to like? I don't know. Thanks to everybody that. Oh that, my God. That came in, and thanks for all the encouragement. If there's a ne- If there's a next year in London, we're going to. We're going to document it. We're going to have a special oh, show. We're going to bring the Jim Jankowitz over. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. We're going to have video and audio. We have a, a, a audio-visual presentation. Extravaganza. And a special guest dro- dro- special guest appearance by none other than Phil Collins. <laughs> yeah. Oi! Where's me Oscar? <laughs> That's the uh, South Park Phil Collins, of I course. Have, I have a Genesis, like, because I discovered that on YouTube, they have full albums now. Yeah. And all the DVD extras. Oh, they post up there as well? All the reissues had yeah. DVDs attached. Yep. With, like, 10-minute documentaries. Yeah, the interviews are great. The Lamb Lies Down on Broadway is a 30-minute documentary. That's a good one. Peter Gabriel's so subdued, isn't he? Yes. He's barely breathing. Very subdued. He doesn't really speak loud or excitedly no. about anything. If you're into Genesis, just type in YouTube, Genesis Full Album. Yeah. And you can listen to every album full. You know, why are you, like, doing your... <laughs> every e- album full. Why are you doing your email? Full it up. It's very convenient. Yeah. It's right there. I don't know if it's legal. Probably not. Everyone just uploads What would Phil it. Collins say if he found out? Oi! What are you listening to? I'll break your freaking neck for you. They don't say freaking, do they? Bloody. bloody. Break your bloody neck for you. You know, now that I'm into Genesis again, Yeah. because I've always been into Genesis. You want to go to that show? What show? The musical Box. <sighs> what, what album are they playing? The Lamb Lies Down. Where they're, is it? They're where doing is it? the tour. I have to go to Jones Beach? No, the Wellmont in my town. Get tickets yet? I bought two tickets. My wife will probably bag out on me, though. She saw it already. Yeah, she saw it last She's year. She's not going to want to see it again. So did I. It's her, favorite, it's her favorite album. When is the show? It's in uh, what show? November. <laughs> oh, so November is yeah. Lamb Lies Down on Broadway and Fiona Apple. No, Fiona, Fiona, Fiona Apple is in uh, October. But uh, they recreate the show. They dress up. They have the original slides that they use uh, to I present the go. show. They Tell Lisa have, that she's they, out. They employ, uh, I think, a guy that did the sound for the show. What show? And, and the lighting director. So this is authentic recreations, not just a cover band. So unlike the YouTube uh, audio, this is sanctioned by the band. This, is, uh, this has the decree of Peter Gabriel himself. Oh, we're talking about Genesis here, folks. Uh, Peter Gabriel, Genesis, Anthony Phillips. And Jeremy, who is uh, a big fan back in the Phil day, Collins. he actually shot them a lot. He's also seen the musical box. Definitely. Michael Rutherford. Steve Hackett's. Steve Hackett's. Uh, who's the other guy? Steve Howe. Tony Banks. <laughs> Steve Howe. <laughs> what am I doing here? Okay, but what does this have to do with mail? Oh, I don't know. I don't right. know. How do we start talking about Genesis? I don't know. I have been a listener. This is from Joseph Brunges. I've been a listener since episode three, and I met you at the PDN last year. I was carrying the Fuji... GF670 medium format folder and the Pentax 645N. He was very tall. Remember him? Joseph. Yes, of course. Okay. God, I'm so dry. <laughs> I noticed you're now shooting 4x5. Yes, I am. Yes. I just bought a new camera. Yeah. Did you see the cherry no. wood? You didn't see the cherry no. wood Where'd camera? Where'd you get this? eBay. It's yeah. not a bum. Yeah. The battery compartment is not corroded. No, 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 no. There's no battery compartment. <laughs> I bought a Wista 45D. And big, three lenses. Big bucks, or? Yeah, Ooh, big bucks. The lenses must have been dear. Yeah. Oh, Mike, that's M- so dear. Many, many, many hunch. <sighs> no wonder you're dry. Yes. I noticed you are now shooting 4x5, and I just got a camera that you will definitely be interested in. It's called a Razzle 900. 
Razzle? Yeah. Like the candy? Yeah. Razzle? It's a gum. It's a candy. The, the it's boy, a gum. It's a candy. The boys from the old neighborhood used to call me Raz. Raz? Yeah. Tom. TC Tom. Yeah. AJS. Mm. Anthony Scardino's. What's his camera? Razzle? Track man. Yeah. Razzle 900. And it's a 4x5. It's a medium? Con- it's a 4x5 oh. conversion of a Polaroid 900. Huh? By Dean Jones in Australia. The guy that was in the Shaggy DA? <laughs> <laughs> Herbie the Love Bug, Dean Jones? It's a folding rangefinder 4x5 in a relatively small package compared to your crown graphic. I bought a 150mm Rodenstock Cyrenol mm. N and mailed it to the Australian, and Dean did the rest. Wow. I have a few digital photos of it in my stream. I was hoping to show it off at the next NYC meetup, but could not attend due to family obligations. Wow, wow. I would like to write a review of it on the podcast. Please do. Send me the link. I want to see it. If you are interested, I will bring it to PDN this year. Hell yeah, dude. You also mentioned the possibility of a New Jersey meetup, and depending on the date, it will be able to come as well. Yeah, we should meet up at the Dinosaur Park in Secaucus. Oh, man. Right? Four by five cameras. That would be great. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know how much it costs to get in? Like 30 bucks. Yeah, 25 Per person? Yeah, 25 <laughs> I told Bill... Yeah, but they're animatronic. They're lifelike. They're life size. We're talking about the Dinosaur Park in Secaucus, New Jersey. S E C A U S E C A U C U S. Secaucus, New Jersey. Google it. The Google. The Google. The Google. The Google. The Google. The Google. They have dinosaurs that are animated. Yeah, animatronics. So Bill's like, oh yeah, you should have brought your Lomo Kino. You damn right. Oh right. A Lomo Kino. Dinosaur movie. You could you could shoot that and then insert it into some of your old movies. Exactly. All they need all they need is Aaron Russ, mm. a pith helmet, <laughs> and a mud pile. Yeah, which we could we could easily do. String Why don't we do too. a meetup? Me, you, Dane, yeah, Mark. That'll be great at the Sea Caucus. I'll bring my bum cameras and we could throw them at the dinosaurs and see if they'll eat them. Uh, and I'll bring the four by five. Be amazing. Imagine shooting uh, infrared there. Four by five. Oh, my goodness, in a dinosaur park. That would be very cool. Probably have to call ahead and see if they'd let us uh, put sticks. Oh. They might. uh, I think you just don't say anything. You just do it. Yeah. (laughs) They just have a dinosaur come eat you, pick you up, and throw you into the Hudson River. If you haven't already, you should consider buying some Graphmatics for your crown graphic. Rodenstock Hmm. is a lens. Yes, it is. Yeah. I use them with my Razzle, and it is amazing how quickly you can be ready for the next shot. Graphmatics. I want to see this guy's picture. Thank you, f- thank you, the gang, for the shoe. What S- show? It says show, actually. Shoe. It is thoroughly entertaining. I look forward to new podcasts every two weeks. Joseph, it is our pleasure. It's a pleasure meeting you. And if you don't hear this on the, on, the, on the air, on the airwaves, I will take this and I will send you an email back. This is the letter show. You want me to read one? Oh, yes. Okay, I'll read the next. So inspired by the show. This is from uh, Kwaku. Kwaku? K-W-A-K-U. Karki? Karki? Kwaku. Uh, I said, so inspired by the show, I purchased a Polaroid Color Pack 4. It came with Sylvania Blue Dot Flash Cubes. Sylvania! I put AA batteries in, and the shutter is working fine. However, no matter what I do, the Flash Cubes will not fire, nor will they fully tighten when I turn them in the Flash Cube port. Any ideas? Yes. Give it to Mark Dalzell. (laughs) (laughs) He'll make it work. Uh, Yes, I have many a Color Pack camera. Not many. I have one or two on my shelf that... The flash, the flash 
bulb thing on the side. Busted. Spent. Yeah. It springs in there. Yeah. Bust. You know what? I remember back in the day when my dad had cameras. Really? Yeah, little little Kodak cameras that used those. Cubes. Really? They'd and go... you would like try to put them on. The spring would kind of bounce yep. up, and you had to like finagle them. Yep. And then sometimes you'd fire, and it would go to turn, and <coughs> thing would pop off. Yep. Uh, ah. Next, next up. This is. Uh, I would love to hear about half frames processing and scanning. Hmm. Half frame. I don't know if you remember. We gave away a half frame camera. Yeah. Do you recall? I do. Uh, Mark has one. Yes. Too. You put. You could get seventy-two shots out of thirty-six exposure. That's a lot. Mark is like dying because like I can't wait yeah. to finish this roll. <laughs> Shoot it for weeks. Yeah, weeks. <laughs> It's a lot. 72 is a lot. This is from Brian Mr. Awesome. <laughs> I don't know. Mr. Awesome? Would also like to hear some more film beginners technique and technique on Sunny 16. Oh. The zone system. Flash and party photography. Double exposure. Polaroid trick shots. Analog pixel peeping, a.k.a. assessing vintage lenses and film grain. Congrats on the 60-plus episodes. You still getting abuse about the sound effects, question mark? Mm. No. Done. Yeah. So we're o- over that hump. What? Nobody's complaining effects. about it. Have you cut back? I think that the... You s- cut back a little. The sound effects have to taken a natural... They've run their natural course. Right. The, the, Can't force it. The novelty is over. And I think I was just excited about the fact that the, the sound effects were so new back then. Right. Because we have an image bank of sound effects, mm-hmm. and I haven't really sought anything new out. Yeah. Although I just found, like, I don't know, 20 CDs in the, studi- in the oh studio. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's a lot. It's the Hollywood sound effects library. Oh, those are probably, like, man being thrown downstairs. <laughs> exactly. It's all in the past now. Let's see if this is... Why'd you print these out in red? Uh, print a... Ink was bust. No. Hey, man, here's a letter from Tony Kwong. Oh. Tony okay. is the guy who hipped us to Tim Tams. That's right. Tony's uh, forever in my heart <laughs> for that. <laughs> Tim Tams sind Schokoladenbiskuits mit aller Füllung und Schokoladenüberzug. Man kann sie für ganz erstaunliche Dinge benutzen, wie zum Beispiel als Trinkhalm für Milch oder als Bulettenersatz für einen vegetarischen Burger. Mm, Tim Tam Burger. Für Geschicklichkeitsspiele wie Domino. Oder zur Errichtung massiver Monumentalbauten. Oder ganz einfach als Schmuck. Instax wide now in retail stores. I've noticed them in only a few stores before, but it looks like recently Instax wide cameras are widely available at Office Depot online and retail locations. I, I went to, um, to the Target by me to look. We were going to give a uh, Instax as a gift. And what happened? To my father-in-law couldn't find one. Polaroid 300 in Target. Didn't have it. They only had digital crap. I thought your father-in-law doesn't want the small. He's like, that's too small. We were going to get him whatever. Uh, but they didn't have anything. I ended up buying them an uh, LCD screen. Oh. Yeah. You got to go back and get them something analog. There was nothing analog there. Well, Tony says go to, uh, was this Office Max? Office, Office Max? Office Depot. It was 140 Sikik. Yeah. Route 40 Sikik. Why would they sell them there? That's the big one. The Instax the wide, yeah. That's what your father-in-law wants. Those are nice. Yeah, he would really love that. Take pictures of all his grandkids. Yeah, throw them in the bottom of the drawer. Only a few more letters, John. A few more. This is from Martin Caluza. 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 Come on, you're Italian, right? Caluza. Hey. I really love your show and always can't wait for the next episode. Wow. I will send some camera and film to you for the giveaways. Thanks. I hope some other film enthusiasts will have fun with this stuff. 
I love to shoot film, especially with my Polaroid 190 and the Hasselblad, fi- Hasselblad 500C. Mm. I like to try out every analog camera that cl- crosses my path. Mm. I also try image transfers and emulsion lifts. That's like lifting the emulsion off the Polaroid pictures. Yeah. You do that? I do the... The smooshing. The smooshing. It's called... Uh, smooshing. Yeah. <laughs> Pushing. No, it's called uh, image transfer. Oh. Yeah. If you take a Polaroid FP100C in your Polaroid automatic land camera, shoot an image, then immediately peel it. I mean Fuji. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> Fuji. You take the juicy side, and then no you put it on a piece skip. of paper and like rub it... W- yeah. Like, like, you know, like those, uh, what do you call those, rub off? Rub it like a Polaroid pitcher. No, like, what do you call scratch those? and win. Like a sc- scratch and win. With a quarter? Do you guys have that in England, the scratch and win? It's like a lottery ticket, and you you scratch, scratch. off, like, different boxes yeah. to see if you win. People here in the States, they buy them crazy like about crazy them. people. I wait in line many, many hours. You ever see a guy people. sitting on a curb with oh that? My God. Like, people are obsessed. People get their paychecks cashed. Yes. They spend like 50 bucks on those things. You will find my work at Flickr. My Flickr name is O-L-Y underscore M-K. Best wishes and keep the podcast running. Martin. This is from Don Duff McCracken. No <laughs> way. Don McCracken? He says, Duff like the Simpsons beer and Muck Racken. McCracken. 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 Being an IT nerd, it is not likely surprising that I, that I hopped on the digital revolution pretty quickly. But I always had a love for film, but it had faded. Oh, I'm really happy at the awesome 35 and 120 black and whites. I took 10 years ago when my kids were little. Mm. Getting this, John? Yeah. But he says that as he got a D- DSLR, I shot less and less. Thank the gods I purchased the V700. Worried about my aging slides from the 80s. Nice. A winter was spent digitizing them, and I decided to digitize as many, as many of my black and white stuff. I expected to stumble out of that process, <laughs> never wanting to look at yeah. Scanner again. But that, combined with the youth, youth, youthful enthusiasm of a friend, yeah. pushed me back into film. All right. Now my brand new Nikon D. D3200 is sitting, pouting in the corner, uh, as my OM2 is back where she belongs, <laughs> along with a newly purchased sister, the Olympus XA. You have one of those? No. What do you have? You have an Olympus 35, I have an Olympus Stylus Epic. Oh, that's the only one you have? Oh, a Stimplus, Stimplus yeah. Trip 35. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and he has a funky Voilanter Vito C. Hmm. Hopefully, I will not be plagued with the shutter problems the Minox can have. And the Chinon 35EE. I just want a lot of 110 cameras on the bay. Yeah. So I'll be ordering some of the color films from you guys. Anyway, awesome site and fun podcast. Don Duff McCracken. All right, Duff. Hey, how do you like uh, your 110 stuff? Love it. Yeah. Oh, my God. Have you seen what they look like? I have two two uh, rolls here that I need to get scanned. <laughs> Friend. Oh. Colors or black and white? Color. Yeah, stuff from England. Stuff from our uh, FP. Two more letters, real quick, when to barrel through them. Yeah, you read this one. My mouth is dry. <laughs> All right. My mouth is dry. I cannot read. Hey, guys. Tom from Boulder, Colorado again. The guy from Yonkers that used to live two blocks from Blue Moon in PDX. I was at my local Target here in, in the bubble, and I, was, and I was talking to the wonderful lady behind the photo counter, and I had to ask if and when, uh-oh, here we go, they are going to stop <laughs> processing film. Well, she told me that they had no plans to do such thing. Look at that. You lucked out, dude. 
Better yet, though, they are scheduled to get a new processor. Right now, they're rocking the uh, Noritsu QSF V50. Where? This is in Boulder. What's the name of the store? Target. Oh! Are you listening? Huh? What show? <laughs> so they s- he said the Target has no plans of getting stopping. Rid of. As a matter of fact, they're getting a new uh, processor. Shocking. And they should have it in the summer sometimes. Shocking. In other Boulder film news, our local camera shop, Mike's Camera, which is a notorious digital photography haven, is carrying a bunch of Lomography stuff and now has impossible PX films. I photo walk every day and rarely see people with film cameras. Yeah. Uh, I've been a listener since day one, and you guys keep the film alive. All right. Hey, Matt, I love your book segment, too. Keep them coming. You guys keep me going. Thank you. Tom Chamberlain. Awesome. You gave me one where I could actually pronounce the last name. Thank Here's you. from Matt. Another Matt. Matt Curtis. Matt Curtis. <laughs> Matt from northeast, northwest. <laughs> <laughs> northeast, west, <laughs> south here. Are your eyeballs dry, too? Matt from North... West here. They uh, sell stuff. Matt from Northwest here. Love you guys. I feel like I've been submerged in a perfectly warm hot tub of film geekery, Ooh. and I love it. Dig the banter. Dig the enthusiasm. Dig the crush you all have on film. Yeah, we have a crush. Totally have a crush. Yeah. I look forward to the roughly 9,000 hours of po- podcast gold. <laughs> oh, my God. What? Well, if we, let's see. We have sixty-four. Nine thousand. If we have sixty-four episodes, and they're all five hours yeah. each, yeah. You're and right. each, let's say each episode is two hours. Uh, hold on. Or stu- oh, just times two. Stupid. That's easy. That's one hundred and twenty. So it's uh, sixty-four times two hours. One hundred twenty-four. Two hundred twenty-eight. Uh, Twenty-six. Hike. How many hours? One hundred twenty-eight. It's not nine thousand. Sixty-four. <laughs> no. He's joking. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I really, I really see this as being a pivotal time in film and especially instant photography. Neither are dead or really dying. I'm lucky to live in a city where I still have a lab. Quicksilver. Where does he live? Bellingham, Washington. Bellingham. Recently, a place opened here called Positive Negative Photo Center. Oh. A dark room, studio, and gallery space. I have yet to visit, but it sounds really cool. Things are scaling back in the film world, but there is still growth. Sounds like uh, Peter Sellers from Being There. (laughs) Things are really scaling back in the film world, but there is still growth. Well, what does that mean? (laughs) Fantastic things are going to happen. What have, who's the, the badly cast president? Jack Warden was the president. Currently shooting film with Roloflex Automat and RB67 and a Holga. Growth has its season. First comes spring and summer, but then we have fall and winter. And then we get spring and summer again. <laughs> I pretty much stayed with Kodak Portra after Agfa Optima disappeared. The podcast has inspired me not to be so serious when taking pictures and try other films and maybe break into some other instant photography. Yeah, come on, loosen up. Anywho, thanks for being a great, thanks for doing a great job. Keep up the good work. Matt Curtis. Thanks, man. Thanks, Matt Curtis. (laughs) Hey, Matt, why don't you go to your photo place? They're called uh, Positive Negative Photo Center. Mm -hmm. And uh, bring like a sound recorder. Yeah. Why don't you interview the cats there? Cats? They have cats? Interview the cats up there and then send me the sound recording. So how do you like working here? Meow, 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 meow. 
Wow. I want everyone to know that uh, the new Pink Delicates album, These Secrets, it's July 15th. Everything's up at the lab, right, John? (laughs) Yeah. Yep. Uh, John has the proof right here. Yep. It features the uh, beautiful artwork of Lauren Bagley. And photos. And the photos by Andy Jenkins. Yeah, some wonderful photos. Yes, er underscore code blue on Flickr. Are you friends with Andy? I, I er think code so. blue. Mm. He shoots with expired Polaroid film. Does he really? Andy Jenkins, nice. yes. And, uh, These are expired Polaroids? These images? Yes. Oh, they're awesome. Did you see the... Did uh, you touch, uh, do these at all? Did no. You, you didn't do anything to them? No. That's great. There's no photo walk. This is, I did the layout and design, right. but there's no Photoshop work. There's no touch-up. No. No. None. Do you uh, see the uh, proposed third album cover? Yes, I like, like it. it. It's I great, love it. right? It's very Bell and Sebastian. Yes. Where'd you get that picture? I was from uh, a Flickr photographer who I yet to get. I have to email him and get permission. Not so uh, hip on the on the name, but I love the uh, photo. Well, I figured three is a photo charm. Is awesome. Perfect. Well, you know, you guys work up themes, right? Yeah. We just need a title. Yeah, we need a title and a bunch of songs. Like that, but if we change the title, like that image that's on the proposed third album, what I was, mean, what Stomach was? Punch would not work with that. <laughs> no. <laughs> Blood Sponge, maybe. Pink Delicates, Stomach Punch. That would be great to have like, a picture of like, Artie Lang doubled over. Yeah. And oh. a T-shirt that's too small for <laughs> A lot of uh, uh, armpit hair. Yeah, so good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But now that the you know the artwork's flowing, I figured you guys yeah. could just like as Kevin All the says, music files ready to go. Just got to throw music up and like just fall out of you guys. Well, we we've got a lot of stuff that just needs bits and bobs here. Bits and, there. and bob. Before we go, I want to uh, let camera. everyone know that we're doing a camera giveaway. This we're show. not giving anything. Uh, are we giving anything away today? Uh, I feel like we haven't given anything away. In well, we've been giving away lots of stuff. I just have failed to bring the uh, the uh, sheets. What sheets? What sheets? To the, in other words, I, I just need to bring the paper, of, uh, the list of the winners. Oh, you've done that. Oh, my God. We gave away a Canon TL. Yeah, why, can, why don't we do it on the we air We gave anymore? away an Icon. Why don't we do it on the, on the show We anymore? gave away an Olympus OM-10. Yeah, 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 I get it. Why don't we do it here on the show? Oh, uh, because it's just too complicated to coordinate with the tapings. You uh, want to pick it out yeah, old-fashioned. Yeah, the excitement. Okay, we'll, we'll do this on the next show. Please. Thank you. We're giving away a Polaroid custom custom S S X seventy. I saw bits of dust come out of your mouth when you coughed. S X seventy sonar one step, courtesy of Leslie from Imagine That in beautiful downtown Finlay, Ohio. Hmm. This is a hand uh, reskinned camera. It's beautiful, deep red it's leather. Lovely. It is a gorgeous camera that takes impossible. PX70 film. Very futuristic looking camera. It's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful camera. And all you have to do is go to filmphotographyproject.com forward slash giveaways to enter. That's easy. Yep. And the rules are very simple. The camera's for you to use. Mm-hmm. And no one will ever sell a gifted FPP camera. Or risk. We'll, we'll, put, we'll age you. <laughs> Make you put like you a, in a Polaroid pack. Yeah, we'll put you in a Polaroid pack. It's the FPP philosophy is pass it along. Yeah, pass it forward. Yes, pass it forward. Inspire someone, mm-hmm. or as uh, Hunter White did, give it back. Yeah, then we regift it. Right, <laughs> which is a very becomes a loner. It's a very yes, a loner. 
Yeah. I mean, if if you're in love with your camera, then keep it. Yeah. But if you're like, yeah. If you're like, yeah, you know what? Been there, done that. Yeah. That's how, that's how Hunter was. He was like, well, you know, I shot with that camera, but now he's shooting Hasselblad. Right. So Hunter does not need a beginner yeah. 35 millimeter SLR. Right. He's, he stepped up rather quickly. Yes, he did. Young minds do that. Yeah. So try to win our cameras. Thanks to Matt for going to Photostock 2012 and recording all those cool segments. Yeah. Thanks for Hunter for going down to KEH and doing that interview. Yeah. It's appreciated. Sure Turn a lot of people on to their wonderful service. Looking forward to Hunter uh, next month. Comes back to New York. Go back to school. Yeah. Maybe we'll see him. Yep. We should do lunch. Hunter, let's do lunch. He would love to do lunch. Yeah, let's get a taco. We uh, were taking uh, we were taking August off. Much needed break. What are you going to do? Going Just post nothing? No, no. The site will be active. We'll reruns. We'll have. <laughs> yes, that's right. We'll be playing reruns. Yeah. And I, I encourage everyone to go back to the archive. You've got a whole month to catch up. And for the month of August, we will n- name your favorite FPP show from the archive. What show? What is your favorite show and why? Mm. What is your favorite show and why? That'd be interesting. Mm-hmm. And the new Pink Delicates album. Yeah. Uh, we had Kevin here last time. Mm-hmm. And we're going to go out with some cuts, KTZ cuts, <laughs> from the new album. Yep. And uh, don't forget to check out the Smooth Sailors website. New music every week. Yes. Smooth Sailors. The Smooth. S-M-M. S-M-M-M-M-M-M-O-V-E. Smooth. The Smooth Sailors.com. Would you say it's good scanning music? Good music to scan by? The Smooth yeah. Sailors? I think, doesn't Dane have like a device, like an autoplay, like a little jukebox? Yeah, there's a little jukebox there, or you could just click individually. It on does random? Any song. Yep. Yeah. Plus, there's videos and all kinds of stuff up there to watch. Yeah. It's been so, fun. Yeah. Hey, here's some real quick. Here's some uh, his stuff people sent us. Oh, let's see. I uh, helped this uh, person out with the battery picture. Oh, that's awesome. Thanks for the battery, Kelly. All right, Kelly. It's a weird shot. Here's a shot from beautiful downtown Finlay, Ohio. Oh, I'd never seen. Oh. This is from whom? Leslie from Imagine oh, That. Leslie. She's wonderful. Whoa, that's awesome. This is an original? That's an original oh, Polaroid picture. Beautiful. Oh, no, I gave John Hancock a Hollywood haircut. <laughs> uh, yeah, do you know you could take a Polaroid image, any Polaroid image, slap a stamp on it, and mail it out is to that your... right? I your guess you can. That's what she did. Send, send it out to your favorite friend that or loved one. That's such an awesome idea. Isn't it? That really is. That is such a great idea. Mm-hmm. Now you, you yeah, can do that nice with your tick. Spectra film. I sure can. Yep. I do what, it. my pinhole camera? And that, that film. This, you can mail this too. Yep. All you do no. is on, on the back, you take some white tape, and you just put it here. Then you put a stamp here, the address, and a quick note, and you're done. It's no kidding. No kidding. Wow. wow. And there you have it. Well, that's, uh, that's the tip of the day. Yes, it is. So Thanks. we're going to see everyone next time. Sure. I'll be here. Podcast at filmphotographyproject.com. Podcast at filmphotographyproject.com. Uh. Live letters. Type letters, any type of handwritten, P.O. Box 152, Butler, New or Jersey. Or send us your uh, postcard with uh, a p- your, a picture. Your, your picture. With a postcard picture. picture. You do not have to put a real a whole stamp on it. You can use a postcard stamp. Really? Yeah. Is there such a thing? Yeah, it's like only 20-something cent. So see you next time. All right, bye-bye. Sorry about this. I know it's a bit silly. Just a moment. Just a moment. <laughs>
Stimulate growth through temporary incentives. As long as the roots are not severed, all is well, and all will be well in the garden. In the garden? Yes. In a garden, growth has its season. First comes spring and summer, but then we have fall and winter and then we get spring and summer again spring and summer yes <clears throat> then fall and winter yes i think what our insightful young friend is saying is that we welcome the inevitable seasons of nature but we're upset by the seasons of our economy. Yes. There will be growth in the spring. Hmm. 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 <laughs> well, Mr. Garner, I must admit that is one of the most refreshing and optimistic statements I've heard in a very, very long time. <laughs> I admire your good, solid sense. That's precisely what we lack on Capitol Hill. Thank you. 
Matt Curtis.